evening, everyone, and welcome to the podcast. Tonight, we're going to concept around the idea of shifters. And basically, what um, when Jillian and I were talking about the little black dress concepts and, you know, the Sentinel, we were trying to figure out concepts that we think that could be spread out across multiple fandoms, like the Sentinel a little black dress. And so we have a whole bunch of them picked out. And tonight we're going to talk about shifters and it's me and lady holder. Um, I picked her for this particular topic because she actually has a series, um, a pro series uh, about shifters. And um, I thought that would be a, a good thing for us to play with. Cause I have a book as well. And so you have a book with werewolves and Faye and um, we're going to do a separate Faye one later. Yeah. Yeah, you have three, yeah, in your series. No, um, four. So, four. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, four as that. of December. Yes. Cool. Yeah, yeah. And, um, yeah, as of December. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, um, I'm fun to explore uh, what we could do with it in fandom. Let me get a piece of, let me get some new notebook out here. Um. Uh, but uh, let's look at some concepts. Like, I, you know, I don't want to rehash Teen Wolf. That's what I would say because Teen yeah. Wolf already has its own mythology. And I don't know. Um, I hope you enjoyed it, Shelly. Fall for you um, is um, kind of my word, baby. It's my word, baby. Not like it isn't my word, baby, the way according to Hermione Granger is my word, baby, but it's pretty close. It's like my word, toddler. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Okay. I can live with that one. <laughs> Um, it makes me happy too. I really enjoy reading it, and it, it makes me happy. And I like to write stories that make, make, make people happy. Well, I, that's why you won't see me though. digging deep yeah. on angst and shit. I, why? It just isn't something that really appeals to me. Now, a long time ago, we actually did a rough trade challenge about shifters and yes in that particular one i wrote a story um that fell to pieces on me because i tried to make abo concepts work for me and they don't right they just don't work for me um and i'd like to strip out the abo stuff and try to come back to that series that i did a lot of interesting world building in it um around therons and um mm -hmm. the, the idea that shifters came to earth um, earth through alien influence um and I was thinking that maybe I might ship all that out and do it as an original concept. Um, but uh, I like the idea of um, ancient Theron races and their intermingling humans and, and how that, ha you know, just kind of exploring how that would happen. Mm -hmm. um, so, but uh, that particular story is not available online and it won't ever be online in its current form because it's just... <laughs> It makes you really uncomfortable at this point. Because it does. It else. does. And I, I, I never actually wrote to sex. But by the time I was getting to the point where I was thinking about writing you know, an encounter, mm -hmm. I realized that no matter what I did, I could not make an ABO story consensual enough for me to write. Right. And there's, you know, I mean, much, continuous consent is impossible in... It's just... I, as much as I loved reading it, and don't get me wrong, I thought it was fascinating. Um, 
I could see where a lot of the, the um, pitfalls were coming up. And, you know, that's not something that you wanted to, um, I totally get why you didn't want to go near it. I think the thing is, is I kind of have a pact with myself and with my readers that um, you're never going to see me write something that I don't consider consensual. 100% consensual. I'm, I'm just, I'm just not going to do it. Um, and I was, it's just not going to work the way it is. So I need to pull all that ABO out, mm-hmm. um, which would require a redrafting of my zero draft, which and I was in the middle of rough trade when I realized this. So I was like, oh, well, fuck it. I'm done. Yes. <laughs> I'm done. <laughs> and I think that actually sparked the moment for me where I started having mm-hmm. real problems completing Stargate work during rough trade. And I don't yeah. think I really kind of got over that Herbal. hump <laughs> until uh, <laughs> until finding Atlantis. Right. Well, I I mean, that's that's one that I love um, also, but, you know, that's because I like Sebastian and I like how I like how everybody plays off of him and, and sparks off of him. I mean, it's it's um there's a great deal of really nice chemistry between Sebastian and everybody because he makes everybody else look towards a future that doesn't always seem possible when, you know, they're fighting for their lives. So I think that there's a lot of, someone said earlier, there's a lot of assholery in, um, oh, in shifter fiction. And I yes. think that comes down to that whole alpha wolf and the alpha male. Mm-hmm. Uh, I remember telling somebody, um, a long time ago that I actually enjoyed kind of riding an alpha male um, but I wouldn't be married to one on a bet <laughs> yeah because uh, no no he'd be buried in the backyard or maybe in the side yard so my dog wouldn't dig him up <laughs> under the roses under that stupid rose that won't die well, come on, you're the person who told me that you have issues with, with you know, planting anything down at the, the base of your drive because you keep killing it. I kill all plants except for the one that I want to kill. <laughs> I have this heritage rose I've been trying to kill for two decades. It will not die. <laughs> I planted tiny bee lilies. They grew for two years and then died. <laughs> you don't understand, Queenie. <clears throat> I used post hole diggers to dig three feet down underneath that rose bush after I pulled it up. <laughs> and it and now there's a single twig that pops up out of the ground every year and sprouts a single rose like a bird. <laughs> The, the damn thing is shooting me the bird. <laughs> I think it's fabulous. Next year, I'll take a picture of it so you guys can see it. Because well, it, it, in a couple of months, it's going to um, bloom, and there will be a really beautiful single rose. It's red so, on this twig. What's your problem with the rose bush? It, it stinks and it makes my nose itch. Roses are fabulous. I've got two roses of them. Roses stink. Out. Roses remind me of death. 
No, that's Lily's for us, but um, <sighs> yeah. <laughs> it's more like old ladies and mothballs. I just, oh, just can't stand a rose. Anyway, shifters. Um, I like the idea of an entrenched culture um, mm -hmm. where werewolves are known. Right. Um, secret societies are uh, difficult to maintain. Um, and it, sometimes there's like suspension of disbelief problems, especially mm -hmm. if you, one of the reasons why um, I find it difficult to mix uh, a fandom like Teen Wolf into other contemporary fandoms or a fandom like Supernatural and other contemporary fandoms is that it makes characters in these other fandoms look really, really fucking dumb. Very. This is true. Because how on the, how on the earth could any law enforcement officer not know about demons when Sam and Dean are running around the United States killing them and indiscriminately, mm -hmm. not very discreetly? Oh, obvious to the max. I mean, so I would not want to, in most circumstances, try to mix. Um, Supernatural or Teen Wolf or Buffy with a contemporary fandom, um, especially one that also has a big secret like Stargate. Mm -hmm. That's too many big secrets. <laughs> you could always mix um, Supernatural's um, uh, Teen Wolf and Buffy the Vampire Slayer together. Well, yeah, but that's still, it's not, that's not the shifter concept. Mm -hmm. But I, one of the reasons why I think that a shifter concept um, for a little black dress concept is if it's like, if shifters are known, like they're part of the fabric of society, and you don't have to deal with a big secret. My husband's giving me the what the fuck look. It's, it's not, no sparkly vampires, babe. Huh? No sparkly vampires. Supernatural is two brothers going around the the U.S. killing demons. How can how can he not know what Supernatural is? I don't even watch it, and I know what it is. It's been on TV it, for know. more than a decade. I don't know. He doesn't watch it. <laughs> Cur currently, he's watching Magnum PI after having finished the Rockford Files. <clears throat> okay, well, yeah. <laughs> I enjoyed the Rockford Files. You know what? I would like to see. I would like to see the Rockford Files rebooted with Joe Flanagan. <laughs> He's giving you shit about your Hannibal addiction. I tell him I will eat his face. <laughs> Hang on. <laughs> what, Queenie? Don't you think it would be awesome? Do you want me to find that gif he gave me where it was the face frying in the, in the pan? Because he no, says I he wants not. to give that to you. Yeah, okay. No, no, no. I got a delicacy. <laughs> Um, okay. Um, but no, I, I think it'd be really fun to see something like the Rockford Files or maybe um, Heart to Heart um, rebooted with Joe Flanagan. But I'm hardcore on Rockford Files. Well, he loved about it. it. He, he, he actually, I got called in a couple times to see certain actors, very, very young versions of actors on the show. It was very interesting to watch some of that. Mm hmm. Oh, a Scarecrow and Mrs. King reboot. Oh, it could be a Scarecrow and Mr. King, and they could get oh, David interesting. Hewlett out and about. 
as a single dad. <laughs> that would work so fabulously. I'm I'm calling not it because I've already done my scarecrow and Mrs. King. I'm just no, I'm like for TV. Give me this on TV. <laughs> and who would be Scarecrow? Joe Flanagan. What? <laughs> of course. I mean, it would just be a lot of fun. But I, but I would really lobby hard for a Rockford Files reboot with with Joe Flanagan in the lead. I would be a hundred thousand percent all in on that. But let's get back to Shifters. So. Um, I think one of the things that's really appealing about the Sentinel concept as far as like being a little black dress concept is that an author coming into it can tweak it to make it work for themselves. Yeah. And there's no like, there's no hard and fast. Well, there's very few hard and fast rules. You're there not- are no hard and fast rules. You can do what you uh, want, okay. but there was a time in the Sentinel fandom when they tried serious, hard-ass rules that you had to follow. Um, but you don't gotta. As we approach the, the year of the Sentinel, we're getting there, y'all. We're getting there. We're precariously close to opening up um, signups for um, April. Um, it, just keep in mind that there are no hard and fast rules as far as writing um, Sentinel crossovers go. You do you. A sentinel has five senses. I mean, I think that's what. That's it. Because <laughs> not even it. the guide is canon. The guide's not canon. I mean, the, mm-hmm. the, the word guide is mentioned exactly once in the entire series. Mm-hmm. So, but you know, um, there's a lot of uh, fanon in the sentinel concept that um, makes it a lot of fun to write. It is, but the only thing I have about it is, is just you got to remember cause and effect and, and not trying to make Superman for all the fact that Jim Ellison showed abilities that were far beyond most human beings. He still wasn't Superman. He still had issues. Blair's wolf is canon. Mm-hmm. Um, Blair Mayer, I don't remember if Blair said it in the first episode, but that CIA guy called Blair, specifically called Blair Jim's guide. Mm-hmm. And it was like a specific role, bracket, it was a specific role in Brackett's mind that Blair had in Jim's life. I think it's that when when Blair, Blair said it, it was more about um, teaching Jim to control his senses um, <clears throat> and not specifically to be um, what we have in Fanon today based right. on what Brackett said. Because uh, Blair, you know, when you first meet Blair, he's basically trying to con Jim. Oh yeah, totally. <laughs> he wants to use Jim as a lab experiment and he's going to do everything he possibly can to get in. He's going to say whatever he has to say Mm -hmm. to get into Jim's life so he can study what he believes is Sentinel. Come hell or high water, he's going to do it. He managed it. But But what we have in Fanon isn't quite the same. Mm -hmm. Um, Which I appreciate because I really enjoy the concept of a, a, a guy with empathic abilities. But this podcast is not about that. So we need to 
back away from the sentinel. Timmy to back away. <laughs> okay. But what I do like about that concept is that you can tweak it to fit your own needs. Mm-hmm. Um is a very you can decide fandom. if you're going to have sitting on guide centers. So when you look at the shifter concept, you can do the same thing. You can decide whether mm -hmm. you're going to have a whole bunch of different kinds of shifters or just one. Um, favorite trope is being able to send an ask. Well, okay. Send asks in the chat. Remember mm -hmm. that we have to keep our podcast audience in mind. He was not in the chat for in the future. Senna right. asks, where are your favorite and least favorite werewolf tropes? Favorite is being able to turn fully into um, whatever you're shifting into. If it's a wolf or, um, or uh, a feline, what have you. I like that part of it. Least favorite, having absolutely no control at the full moon. Because that's just stupid. It's really stupid. Because all moonlight is is reflected sunlight. This is true. <laughs> now, when this concept was first developed with our werewolves, I don't think um, humans didn't get what the hell that big thing up there was. That was fully you know, explored. Was, yeah, yeah. Now, I mean, like, someone said in the chat room that they don't like the knot. I personally love the knot. Me too. I that is probably the one thing about ABO fix that really amuses me. <laughs> as long as it's put in the right place. Yes. Had, That's important. I, I had to actually think really hard about where I stuck mine when I was doing uh, my yeah. my stuff because uh, you just you put it in the wrong place. I did not put it in the wrong spot. <laughs> Are you sure? Yeah. No, not not in your final draft. No, I will. Excuse me. You. It got corrected, and it didn't. And it didn't <laughs> go anywhere. But I learned, <laughs> and then from there on, I didn't like pick it up ones. Um, but no, I really enjoy um nodding. Um, I put it in Fall for You. It, mm -hmm. it it amuses me. What I don't enjoy is that whole thing about um the knot being so huge that they're literally stuck together like two dogs um for hours. Cause cause nah dog. <laughs> nah. <laughs> That's just come on now. Mm -hmm. You may get the hose pipe out. What? <laughs> Lord. Uh, <laughs> books, tablets, <laughs> PCs. <laughs> you want to have sex? Like, let me get my laptop. <laughs> okay, we're gonna map out another. We're gonna map out four hours for our surprise. You know, sex. Good lord. <laughs> <laughs> There's no such thing as a quickie in those books. Oh my god! <laughs> okay, we're... IV fluids. I mean, it's just ridiculous. Well, you, That's ridiculous. Any... Yeah, but you're never having sex anywhere other than a bed. Can you imagine, you know, doing it up against a wall? No. <laughs> That's not happening. Sometimes I'll get real tired. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Shower yes, sex is completely out the window. But yeah, so that's, you know. Um, 
Another thing that I don't like um, that I've seen in werewolf fiction is um, um, alphas who always top. Like that's mm-hmm. equatable. Like being an alpha means you never take it up the ass. But then I also hate that in BDSM fiction where mm-hmm. you see um, a dom and a sub and a dom never... Um, is penetrated. That's just unrealistic. This would be why um, Evan. Weinstein yes, there are some men who do not enjoy anal sex, but the idea that being dominant precludes being penetrated is dumb. Yes. Oh yeah, dark comments. Um, who are always, always, always in charge to the nth degree, like when a lunch order is a dominance display. Uh, I don't like men who do that in in our world why would I want them to do it in my fictional world gross like I said an alpha would be buried in my side yard have you got a vegetable garden (laughs) stupid rose anyways um... (laughs) the ABO black widow I mean it's just it's ridiculous (laughs) <laughs> the alpha rose. <laughs> I want to take a picture of it, Reaper, so you can see this thing. It, it it haunts me. It's like it's got a lot of attitude. Well, you know, so do you. So it's not like that's too, too big of a well, surprise. Well, you know, maybe maybe it's found its home. I don't know. I mean, I've maybe. been trying to kill it for two decades. So. <laughs> <laughs> the rose that won't fuck off. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah, you know, so for me, if, if I wanted to create a concept that um like the sentinel that will have you know kind of be a trope, you know, that becomes a trope, mm-hmm. like the ABO trope, um, I would want to to create um some concrete um space for a a writer to stand on so they're very comfortable exploring the um the, the ideas that are available to them so they have a good mm-hmm. foundation for a world building that they don't have to do themselves which is what the right. sentinel does the, the sentinel provides oh, yeah. you with a great deal of built-in world building it does and even if you go back to the original concepts of the show there's enough there that you've got a solid foundation to work off of and, and to put your own spin on it. It's not like they, they left it completely in the dark. Right. Or completely fucked their own canon to the nth degree, like Teen Wolf. Because they did, from what I can see. I think a lot of shows give themselves just enough room to, to fuck up their own plot. <laughs> yeah, Jeep asked Teen Wolf has canon. The answer is maybe, sort of, kind of. I mean, in the loosest sense of the word, yes, because they do have a collection of episodes that are supposed to go together. <laughs> well, how about this? We have characters, we have names, we have semi backgrounds. Anything uh, off of that is totally fanon. And some of the characters have more than one background and more than one birthday. Yes, so pick the one that... Choose your own adventure. <laughs> Cinna comments, you know what was good about uh, Teen Wolf? Styles. 
I'm totally in agreement. <laughs> I think um, that's like yeah. a like the answer that everybody would give. Hey, what was good about Team Wolf Styles? Styles, they're gonna say Dylan O'Brien. <laughs> yes, <laughs> Dylan O'Brien. Mm-hmm. I like I like um, the actor who played Derek. You know, um, Tyler Hoechlin. Yes, Hoechlin, 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 Um Jeep and Samick also comment that Derek Hale's abs are definitely one of the best things on that show. Heckling. I will ag- Hecklin. Oh, okay. I I Thank I you will now. agree that his abs are definitely one of the best things on that show. I'm gonna make a confession right now. What? When I was plotting the zero draft for um all the world, mm-hmm. um I had the zero draft um and uh, and it was doing a podcast, and you know that whole gnome rebellion. <laughs> yeah, I had I had a little note on my my thing on my and I had written for some reason for some reason I don't know what you said in the in the chat gnome, but I wrote gnome in the margins of uh, my. So when it came time to write the prologue and um, I was like, and so garden gnomes ended up having a rebellion and I don't know. I mean, I don't know if I'm giving you credit or I'm blaming you. I mean, so, but either way I, I had gnome in my zero draft, like several places I had written gnome in the margins and I don't know what you did. <laughs> Or said during that podcast that made me write that on my document. <laughs> I've been playing with it. Hey, it works. It's a fabulous little addition. I thought I laughed so hard at that. It was um, about setting um, a tone. And that tone was that on that particular day, the most stressful thing Harry Potter had to deal with was a gnome rebellion. That I mean, it speaks to the state of the world, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. That the master of death is worried about helping gnomes. his son defend the garden gnomes who may or may not have a siege engine. And that's the most taxing part of his whole damn day. I mean, it's just, it, it speaks to life. Life going on and life being really beautiful for Harry mm-hmm. um, in that particular world. Just as much as the final line of Darkly Lowell, someone read Darkly, someone was talking about reading Darkly Lowell earlier um, for the volcanoes, which, you know, fair. <laughs> hey, volcanoes. And um, one of the, the final line in Gnome Baby, yeah, the final line in Darkly Lowell. Um, is um, that um, he tells his daughter that he'd gotten the bad guy and that he always would. Mm-hmm. And so Harry Potter in that particular universe is also the master of death, but he's actually death. Um, and it's a very different tone. And so that's a way uh, to, um, um, to set your tone that gives your reader... Um, a sense of comparison in your epilogue, y'all. Check out my craft. <laughs> <laughs> I but, honestly, I'm I'm expecting that to have happened at least once when Dobby was making his deposits. 
I mean, what would be the point of not getting an active volcano? I don't know. I mean, if it's not active, what you know? Why would he worship there? <laughs> point. I mean, I, I'm looking at some really pretty active ones. Dobby is standards. <laughs> oh, yeah, he does. Anyways, but things like that set the tone for your story. Mm-hmm. And when you're looking at a concept like the shifters, um, choices that you make in your world building will set your tone. Uh, a big concept sets a different tone for your work than, um, say, sentinels are known or werewolves mm-hmm. are known or vampires are known. Um, and if you look at, like, uh, True Blood, and I forget, the, is it Southern Vampires? Is, is that the name of the book series? I don't know. I don't. I actually haven't read it or watched the movie or the the show, um, TV show. Um, anyways, um, vampires come out of the closet, and so vampires are known in that world, and it creates a a tone, an overall tone for the works, mm-hmm. um, especially the TV series, um, and, and in some places it creates this kind of lawlessness, as and that humans are. Um, it is based off the Southern Vampire Mysteries. Okay. Sookie. Yes. <laughs> you need anybody? Sookie. Oh, God. Some of vampire the names. Bill. Oh, my God. <laughs> the first time he said, the first time he said her name in the TV show, I had to, pa- I laughed so hard. <laughs> the recording to watch it again because I missed like 10 minutes of the show. Sookie. <laughs> I was like, what? Come on, dude, what? <laughs> you know, I'm wondering, <sighs> given how, given your reaction, I'm actually wondering what the outtakes of that scene look like. <sighs> hmm. Anyways, but that sets a tone. So when you're looking at setting up a werewolf world or a shifter world now in fall mm-hmm. for you there are more than just werewolves there are big cats um there's rumors of a bear clan of shifters in the pacific northwest um but my characters had never met one so they don't know for certain um and that werewolves um y- you have th- there's an implication in fall for you that werewolves are the dominant shifters um that there's more of them than there are others uh You've got you've got multiple different species of shifters in your universe, and so far I've only got one that I've mm-hmm. that I've put in. I haven't even hinted really at cats, but I do have fae, which fae and um, the shifters are actually pretty intimately entwined because <laughs> without the fae, you're not getting shifters. At least in this uni- in my universe, that the way I set it up. And that's really important determining how your shifters came to be in fall for you. Um, shifters are a genetic evolution in response to a variant of rabies. Yeah. yeah I remember in that. most that was... people rabies will kill you, but for some Badly. in the very distant past, it mutated in their body and they mm-hmm. became something else. 
So when you're talking, when you're thinking about how you want to do it, I was a Theron concept. I think it'd be really interesting to really develop that concept and to, I mean, even if you took Stargate out of it completely and just an alien species coming to Earth as refugees and blending in with humans, that would be now, wait really a interesting. You've got, okay, wait a second. Let me, let me back this up because I kind of got distracted by Cinna asking for help organizing her, her fiction folders. Um, are we talking about the concept where um, the shifters are another race coming to earth and it, that's who you want to come into the SGA or do you want the um, variation of the human genome that reacted to rabies to come out in the... Well, that wasn't um, my pro work, but if mm -hmm. I was going to like offer up a trope type concept to fandom i would want to do one um not based on my own pro work because that seems kind of arrogant <laughs> it's like y'all write fan fiction of my stuff <laughs> right. that's a little hmm. um but if the thing is is you wouldn't i wouldn't want to base it on stargate particularly because then it okay. would make it less little black dress well, that's what you, but what you well, could that's what you do is, that's why i was asking right in what, what I said was, is take Stargate out. Because okay. in the Stargate concept, the Therans came with Raw. True. And they um, helped the humans on Earth re rebel against him. Um, but right. if you take them out and just have the Therans coming to Earth and blending in with humans to survive. Would they go underground or would they be out and about where everybody could see them? I think that if they look human enough, that they would blend. Especially if only a small group of them made it. Right. That's like if they're a refugee um, mm -hmm. situation and maybe only three or four thousand of them made it to the planet, made it to Earth. Mm -hmm. um, if they can blend in with humans, they certainly would. Because they don't want to be hunted. It also depends on when they land. Um, oh, you get far enough back. I love that idea, Senna. Yeah, I'm writing it down, and I'm going to say it for the um for the podcast. That actually would work really well because that well, so Senna says, "What if the Therans came to Earth in the time of the Vikings, and assimilation would be easy because I could say they're the children of how do you say that Fenrir, Fenrir." I think. Fenrir? Um, that's really interesting. And they wouldn't have to hide because it would be it would be relatively accepted because it's the time of myth and legends anyhow. And and then by the time modern day came around, um I imagine there would be some conspiracy theories about them being whatever, you know, aliens or whatever. But then if you could just say that, you know, the Therans originated um, what is well, on modern day Nor Norway and Switzerland? Well, yeah, and not Switzerland, what, Finland. You want, yeah, you want the the northern countries, but they would spread out. Is what I'm saying. Is that I don't mm -hmm. think it would be genetically beneficial for them to like stick in one place, and they would spread out. They would start here and then like move out across uh, Europe. <clears throat> yeah, because I'm I'm looking currently at a map, and if they there's a lot of 
there's a lot of, of um, isolated land in that area. And also, frankly, if they did this um, far enough back, well, no, wait a second. Um, Vikings were... Well, one of the things... Eight, nine hundreds? Yeah. Seven, eight, one of the things we do need to address is that, yes, there would be historical ripples, but like we talked about in our psionic drift mm -hmm. concept, the more... The, you dig yourself a big giant asshole. Oh my god. And you can never get out of it if you start trying to redraw recreate countries mm -hmm. and rewrite the history of our entire planet to account for these ripples. It becomes insurmountable. True. Which is why you see a series like Southern Vampires. Um, and it there are no ripples in the past. So you don't want to create a situation in your historical narrative where it makes it difficult to maintain a current history. Yeah, because the the with the Vikings, they had a great deal of influence on um, Northern Europe and the UK, which in turn had a lot of influence on us over here in the US which in turn had a lot of influence all over the planet. So I would do is just take my tsunamis, my history of the world with or without the midnight orgy. You can't, you can't do anything without the midnight orgy. <laughs> if you do that, it's just okay, not worth with it. The midnight orgy. Okay. So the history of the world with the midnight orgy, and I'm going to assume my werewolves have always been there. Yes. Because otherwise, you create a situation where you cannot manage the ripples. It is insurmountable, which is why when you see um, stories out and about in the world set in a modern day where circumstances are so vastly different from our own, um, they aren't rewriting history for you. you. You have to assume that history continued to pace and then here we are. Vampires came out of the closet. Mm -hmm. There's a really hot-ass sheriff in Louisiana. <laughs> Alexander Skies. He played the sheriff. Um, the vampire sheriff. Um, oh my. Oh yeah. Hmm. <laughs> Eric Northman. Yeah. <laughs> I'm on board that train. I am on board that train. So that's the thing. That's the thing when you create something like the psionic drift, which we talked about mm -hmm. before and with shifters and with vampires and with sentinels. Here's the thing in, in a world where sentinels exist and where they've always existed, our world would not be the way it currently is. Our maps no. would not even be the same. Do you think sentinels in mass would have tolerated slavery? Uh, no. There is no way on God's green earth. Do you think they would have tolerated World War II? Do you think they would have tolerated a genocide? Or a witch burning? No, they would not have. So, but you can't rip apart history. You could. You could. If you have time to write, I don't know, um... 
half a million words of historical uh, uh, timeline. Pretty sure you're <laughs> underestimating Draw that some maps. That factor of you know, I mean, this is a timeline, not an actual book on it, just oh, a timeline. Right. Um, uh, and you have to redraw maps, and you would, I mean, it would just be, it would be astronomically impossible. And it would also, <clears> I think in a lot of people, it would ruin their, their enthusiasm for the project. It'd be on the scale of redoing Tolkien and making him look like a piker. I mean, honestly, even language wouldn't be the same. Mm-mm. But if Sentinels came out of the cave, absolutely nothing we know today is 100% safe and valid. Because if Sentinels came out of the cave, the entire migration of, 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 of humanity could have been shifted and changed and different. There is no telling who would have come over that land bridge if Sentinels had been leading the way. Well, I can I can tell you right now, um, there's there's a couple areas that I know of that got flooded because of um, tsunamis. Um, there would be more people who survived that because right, you know, and the Sentinels the- would have felt Pompeii before it ever erupted. Oh yeah. Um, I mean, so when you think about that, it is impossible. I mean, you would... thing is, is Sam, is that Mesopotamia probably wouldn't even exist. When I say that Sentinels coming out of the cave would rewrite maps, it would rewrite languages. Mm-hmm. Humanity would have, dis- would have mapped the world a lot faster, too. In the Sentinel concept, Sentinels are um, emerged to protect tribes. Um, during the in the cave um it it would be very reasonable for there to be one or perhaps two sentinels for each group of humans Mm -hmm. that have come together as a group to protect each other they would have reshaped the history of our species Mm -hmm. languages would be different maps would be different yes and they could have wiped out entire tribes that in, that to protect their own tribe mm-hmm. and again change the entire history of the planet yeah. it is insurmountable there might not be the pyramids guys i mean i'm, I'm looking at well, there might be because, 10 or there might be 10 um you know we can might. you know if signals came out of the cave we could be living on mars right now <laughs> be a hell of a thing now, i'm serious because one of the things that holds humanity back our conservative politics. How would it be to have a dude in your audience? Hey, well, that's a lie. 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 Instant fact checking. Here we come. That's a lie. He's lying his ass off. <laughs> he's drunk as fuck. And he's banging his maid. He's also high on something. I can't quite figure out what, but I think it's new. Hey, Terry, have you figured out what he's high on yet? <laughs> because that's that's the that's the meat of it right there. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I personally don't want to do that, not for any concept, because it's oh, it's honestly as an intellectual exercise. It's really interesting, but it's not going to help you write your story. 
You do realize this is one of the reasons why I've been hesitating on that one that you and Jilly keep poking at me to do, which is, you know, um, the Sentinel meeting up with SG or SGC and taking off because there's so much you have to redo. The thing is, is you can't. I know. You, you have to accept your history as it is, as it currently is, and then build mm -hmm. on that. Because if you don't, you're going to, and honestly, even if you spent six months to a year rewriting all this history and rewriting this timeline and creating this alternate timeline, mm -hmm. it would be impossible to convey to your readers in a way that wasn't boring as fuck. Because what you would end up doing is have massive piles of info dumping in the middle of your story. And then a story that should be a tight 80K turns into a million word epic on AO3. Not that I would let you write a million word epic. <laughs> I'd come to your house. I know where you live. <laughs> I know where you live too. So, you know, it's not really a big deal. Knock on your door. <laughs> yeah. I already promised you. You posted chapter 31 last night. You're at 252K. <laughs> Where is your ending? About, about 170K ago. <laughs> Girl, no. We're going to find your ending today. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's just, it's, it's mm -hmm. too much work. God. And it's unrealistic yeah. work. And it becomes a, albatross um and it the info dumping would Look, be I astronomical totally, yeah i will totally admit i have fallen down the research spiral for a single sentence i know way too much about certain things just because they've had three or four sentences in in a fic and i've reused some of that information and other stuff because by god and by golly i'm gonna make that that uh research pay i don't want to go down that hole with certain other things i mean you know i know me i'll do and i've done epics my my own version of an epic i don't want to poke at you know rewriting sg1 from you know the the, the uh point of view of having a sentinel who pops up right after the Abydos mission going, what the fuck did you people just do? <laughs> Yo, what's what up? What did you? <laughs> knock, knock, knock. You know, what the fuck did you people just do? That's decades of so much shit. It's just the thought of it gives me a migraine and I'm mm -mm, past. In some universes, shifters um, can be um, anything you want them to be. They can be stronger, faster. They can live longer. Yes. Um, it really just depends on what you want to do. Yeah. Set up to set up your your. Um... But what I would say is be consistent. Yes. You can't make one shifter stronger and more durable and then make another one a pussy <laughs> well you because that's not cat. realistic yes. <laughs> yeah that's a wrong type of pussy though that's a big pussy yeah <laughs> purr baby purr <laughs> 
Well, I think it would honestly depend on the physiology of shifting. It's not so much the physiology of whatever shifter they turn into, you know, what animal that they have the ability to shift into, but the mechanism by which they're allowed to shift. Because it could be in your world that in order to shift into an animal, they have to have a certain amount of physical and mental strength to accomplish this transition. And then it has nothing to do with their actual animal form. And that when they're an animal, they have all the traits of the animal they've turned into. That can be a good thing or a bad thing, depending on what it is. And honestly, if I had a choice between coming face to face with I wanted to pick a wolf. Between a wolf and a what? I'm sorry, you, you fuzzed out a bit. A swan? Yeah. Because a wolf will run from you. A swan will not. <laughs> a swan will chase your ass. So will geese, by the way. <laughs> Swans are like the grizzlies of birds. You don't want to go near a swan. <laughs> what was it? Somebody somebody uh, took the feathers off of, I think it was a swan, and showed you what they look like. And then they stuck a, a, a dinosaur um, reconstruction right next to it. And you could barely tell the difference between the two. Yeah. Yeah. No. Mm -mm. Yeah, Samnick, a, a, a swan could not lift me, but a wolf could. But first, you got to get close enough to that swan's body to actually pick the damn thing up if you want to try. And I don't know about you, but it's not going to let me. I mean, yes, a wolf is a more dangerous animal of the two. But a wolf, in natural circumstances, will run from a swan will not. <laughs> Swans are assholes. The only thing worse in my mind than a swan is a peacock. I don't have any experience with geese. I understand that geese are quite... Because, see, naturally, wolves aren't aggressive with humans. They want they don't want to be in our space, and they want to be as far away from us as possible. But swans are aggressive, and they're territorial, and they will get right up in your grill. <laughs> Geese, peacocks, turkeys. Oh, turkeys are the worst. <laughs> turkeys are terrible. By the way, that's the naked swan picture I was talking about. <sighs> hey, that's not creepy at all. <laughs> I know. <laughs> God. <laughs> A flock of turkeys attacked your van? Holy shit. Are you okay? Is your van okay? Is turkey for dinner? <laughs> um, Darks, please tell me that was elk, not elves. Because if you've got elves up in Canada, I'm moving. <laughs> <laughs> We're all migrating. <laughs> um, I mean, also, like, if you have a choice between a wolf and a moose, pick the wolf. Yeah. But like I said, a wolf will run from you. Wolf don't want nothing to do with you. Moose are evil. Most large herbivores like that are. Except for cows. You're kidding, Cows right? are fine. No, they're not. I grew up around cows. Cows are fine. Bulls? Depends. Cows? Cows are fine. Uh huh. Cows are like uh, pasture puppies. 
Twice. Okay. Um, what was it? Um, Cape Buffalo. Cape Buffalo. Those things are nasty. <laughs> the, the, of course, mm -hmm. if you want to get really nasty, I look at the camel. Mm-hmm. But moose are huge. They are ginormous. Yeah, I've seen the, the, the videos of people, you know, stopping and looking at this thing as it's walking down the center line of a of a of a highway and it's like mm -mm. nope that's your road you're done dude let me know yep. no wait i'll, I'll just I'll stay, stay back here, here. <laughs> mm -hmm. don't let me know um, mom and dad went hippos up. yes mom and dad went up did anybody else see... like freak the fuck out during congo over the hippos or is that just me I'm pretty sure it was just you because I don't think I watched the movie. Um, <laughs> well, if you didn't watch it, then you then you didn't freak out, obviously. No, I had no hippos were so cute. I had no idea they were evil. I had no oh, idea they were on. like sharks. <laughs> yeah, hippos are evil. No, the, the but thing you, is, yeah. you know, I honestly picking out shifters. I would pick. Um, a certain pick what you pick what you want to deal with. I mean, if you want a whole bunch of predator shifters, great. Pick your predators. Have a good time. You know, if you want them even, okay, fine. Make you know, or decide how you want to do it. But see, the thing is, I would stick with mammals. I would probably mm -hmm. stick with mammals. I think I I don't want to have to have that discussion about a human being turning into a bird. You've done it before, or but it's a snake, or universe. well, that's magic. Yes. That's magic. That's not a shifter. That's an animagus, and that isn't the same thing at all. Um, but a shifter, um, like someone who has like, that's different. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's no explaining an animagus. <laughs> just no. There's just, there's just no explaining that. The mass difference. Mm -hmm. Rita Ske Skeeter turning into a beetle. There's no explaining that. That's just magic. But I would stick with wolves and cats. Mm -hmm. I stick with mammals. I wouldn't want to have a conversation with a reader about a human being turning into a lizard or a snake or a bird um, because the the it's just so different. Mm -hmm. I mean, how could a warm blooded um, human being turn into a cold blooded reptile? Well, How's in that some even cases, work? all you do is become a politician. But anyhow. Right. Oh, yeah. <laughs> bears, wolves, large cats, um, I think would be... Um, although bears stink. Never gotten close enough for the to record. smell one, so I can't... I, I don't know that. Bears are rank. Lovely. It's just... It's a disgusting smell. It's just disgusting. <sighs> Hmm. You know, so Susan, <laughs> I think that's actually the one I was I was thinking about. That that I feel like I feel like you need to go to the corner. Wear a stallion. What am I supposed to do with that? Wear a stallion. Um. Yeah. Because you know what popped into my brain, and what may never leave my brain. <laughs> Is Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. All right. It's been 25 years since I've seen that. The Wild Stallions. Oh, Jesus Christ. That was the name of their band, The Wild Stallions. Right? 
Uh, no, not that I know of, but hey, that's that's something to look up. Um, I was actually more thinking maybe it was it was um, Tony and his his nickname. No, no, um, no, wild stallions. You know what though? I attended my first TED talk in the eighties, and it was great. That's right. Yeah, and their their name was the Wild Stallions. The Bill and Ted. The, yes, you, Bill and Ted gave the first TED talk. Yeah, and that uh, I cannot pronounce her name. That is the, indeed the name of the band, spelled with the Y. I know. Gracious. But yeah, it it popped into my brain, and now it's never getting out. That's your fault. That is your fault. But yeah, I mean, if you want to dig deep. And rewrite the world of, eight, of the War of eighteen twelve. You do you, but keep that to yourself. Actually, you know, if you want to, if you want to dig deep and you want to write the integration where a whole bunch of Theron like people arrive in Norway and and you know do some some you know um, scouting and find the the, the uh, legend of Fenrir and his his all of his people and say, yes, we are them. Do it for that. Set it in, in that 20 year time period and don't even deal with the future because you won't have to. You've done it. It's set. It's right there. <laughs> Just God. But don't info dump on your reader because your reader doesn't give a shit Historic. about the war of 1812. No. Unless they're literally the whole point of your story. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's the point that I'm making. It doesn't matter how much history you rewrite, how many maps you create, um, how many you know timelines you build. That's just you're digging a really deep hole um, that serves no purpose. And all you'll be doing is info dumping on your reader um, situations and circumstances that are absolutely 100% unnecessary. Because your reader wants to believe what you tell them. You know, it's your it. job to keep their suspension of disbelief from going to Australia. You know, given given that criteria and the fact that Gnome just mentioned Clan of the Cave Bear and, and Assorted and Sundries, those books would be a lot shorter if somebody had gotten rid of the, the sheer repetition that she kept doing. Right, and also the info dumping. Yes, that too. Because I love those books. She entertained me for years. But what I would say mm-hmm. is, Jean, Jean, I want to thank you. I had no idea I could cure my own leather with urine <laughs> or brains. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. If I ever had to go into the wilderness, I would be happy just to have all the Clan of the Cave Rare books or, um, because um, I could get through my, I, I could get through life. Yes. With that, I, mean, I could cure my own leather. I could, I could train animals. I could butcher. You could learn horse. how to <laughs> learn how to nap flint, and that's some, that's some, some shit there. I could make my own weapons. <laughs> cure my own leather. So much stuff that we could learn how to do. And also, it's a particularly good guide to oral sex. I mean, so I think it covers all the basics. Mm-hmm. Jesus Christ. 
I I don't know what to say to that one. Yeah, she was definitely not willing to give up her research, and that's a pitfall mm -hmm. um, that she was allowed to um, indulge in because of her success. And you will see something similar happen in the Harry Potter books. The more successful the series became, the more room she had, and the more leeway she was given by her editor. Mm -hmm. Where chickens? Planet of the Cave Bear was pretty tight. Um, Valley of the Horses was pretty tight. Mammoth Hunters was pretty tight. It's after that that everything kind of... Planes of Passage? Oh my god. <laughs> Planes of Passage. It, that that is the trip that never ended. I feel like I'm yes. still there in Planes of Passage. I mean, it's been decades since I read it, and I still feel like I'm there. Oh yeah, in the tent on the plane. Uh huh. <laughs> I'm still there. Yep, fields and fields of golden grass, all of it over their head as they're riding on the horse. These mammoth hunters. Yes. Jesus Christ. But I would probably, yeah, I was, I, I would probably stick with mammals, and um, because, like I said, I don't want to have to explain it, and also, like, where's your line? Um, I have to figure. Out I don't want wear cockroaches. <laughs> oh Jesus! Hey, I know who the wear cockroaches in the fandom in our fandom universes. Do you know who it is? <laughs> Kavanaugh. <laughs> No, but close. <laughs> Fury. <laughs> Honestly, I'd probably make him a snake. <laughs> I mean, it's just... It's just... it's, It gets ridiculous, right? Mm -hmm. And know, so, I I honestly would probably stick with big cats and wolves. Um, maybe coyote. Um... I don't particularly like the idea of domestic dogs. It seems weird. Mm -hmm. Foxes, yeah, I mean, yeah, that that's reasonable, right? Um, but then, if so, you you want to have a set you you want to create in your own world when you're when you're doing this, um, a uh, a line for pick yourself. Your, yeah, pick your species. I mean, if you're if you're going to go with a family canid, that's a lot of different animals, up to and including and, and be consistent. Yes, and expect this. You know, and you can limit it if you go back to that Theron concept and them coming mm -hmm. to Earth as aliens, um, and that you can limit it that way, and that um, that they brought um, this particular species of wolf or cat to Earth. Mm -hmm. it's it's them and only them like they're not gray wolves or white wolves or you know or whatever wolves they are a specific kind of wolf that only exists well you know you could have them be um something that looks remarkably like a dire wolf if you have to use something that's terran base right or they could be the they could be where the legend of the dire wolf came from true and if they arrive at the right like time, time, actually, yeah. If they if they arrive at the right time, early sightings of them are what sparked the um, the legends of Fenrir, and they took advantage of it and developed. They could even there. shape that legend to suit themselves. Mm -hmm. Yes, 
or even introduce that legend. Um, mm -hmm. But if you go with like an alien species situation like Theron's, I don't think there would be a bunch of different ones. No. I imagine there would you'd just have, be one. You'd have some color variation because that's just normal. But right. you're, you're not going to have... You're not going to have the, the Theron equivalent of an Irish setter and a Pomeranian. If you do, I'm very sorry for whoever turns into the Pomeranian. Thundercats. Oh, Jesus Christ. Did you see the new Thundercats? I'm so upset. Um, I, I, I looked at it once and it was, it was, it didn't, it didn't spark. It didn't, it was very boring. It sparked something in me, but it wasn't interest. It was disgust. I was like, ah, yeah, <laughs> it was not what I wanted. It Stop pissing on my childhood. It, it sparked, you know, get away, go away. But yeah, I mean, I think that you want to place limits on that kind of thing in your world building to create consistency. And, um, right? Sadly, Thundercats can become boring because somebody takes took out all the really good stuff. And frankly, a good chunk of um, it was just, it was, <sighs> yeah, it was worse Anything than else. Jim and the hologram. Like it is trash. I agree. The animation style mm -hmm. is trash. It's just, it's ugh, ugh. anyways. Um, so you want to place this limit for a couple of reasons. Um, uh, just for a world building principle. Um, a, uh, it gives you consistency and you don't have to worry about creating more than one kind of group dynamic. Because the fact is, is that a group of werewolf shifters and a group of cat shifters would probably not have the same group dynamics. No. And if you have them come from one alien species, which is, you know, like in Fall for You's universe, um, it's mm -hmm. a human mutation that, that happened because of a virus. So there's lots of different ones. And they mm -hmm. all have their own groups and dynamics and all that stuff. But you only, you're only seeing werewolves in my series because I can't. It's just too much. But if I, the fandom, it's really easy to do like an, an alien concept like that. Mm -hmm. um, and so you don't, I personally would not want to invest a lot of time in creating different group dynamics for various shifter groups. I mean, you know, you're, um, you're basically creating a lot of work for yourself mm -hmm. that is, that has zero to no benefit. It's the same reason why you don't want to rewrite world history. The, but definitely if you do, you have to have Minot orgies. Yes. It's a requirement. The orgies are standard. Um, what I was going to say is, the other thing about it is, most Oh, for the record, if you don't get that midnight orgy thing, it's past your bedtime, go to bed. Oh, honey. Go rent History <laughs> of the World Part 1. <laughs> I, I mean, that's, that's... No, 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 no. If you don't get it, go to bed. It's past your bedtime. Fetus. Mm -hmm. And then when you wake up tomorrow, go buy the movie. Um, <laughs> right. So what I what I was going to say is, most of us understand 
how dog packs work or, or wolf packs. You know, we, we're used to dogs and how they react to us. Um, and for most of us, when it comes to cats, um, most of my knowledge of how a cat pride works is, is what I got off of National Geographic when they were doing the specials on lions. You know, and I don't understand that part of cats. I mean, I understand how my cats react to me, but they're house cats. You know, there, there, there is some carryover, but there's not that much, I don't think. And before anybody like just writes a big giant paragraph about um, about wolf packs and how that study done in the sixties and seventies isn't accurate because it was done on a pack of captive wolves and um, that in in the wild that they don't act like that and they're and they're not mm -hmm. really and there are no really you know alpha wolves i know already it. Mm -hmm. one of the things why i still think those principles can be attached to werewolves is because humans doing that study attach those behaviors to that captive wolf pack and if you mix human and wolf i think it's very good study for you to look at because that's what happened in that study we got human impact on wolf behavior and if humans do anything it's dominance our dominance and group dynamics you can find studies on that across the world yeah i mean yeah it's projection those mm -hmm. researchers projected their own dynamics onto that wolf pack What's really interesting is, is, you know, if, if you're working in an office or anywhere, if you stand back and look at your colleagues, you're going to notice who is higher on the social pecking order. And there is always a pecking order. All right. And sometimes it shifts. People move around. Some people might, you know, go up to be you know, the alpha and, and they can't handle it and they crash. You know, some of them, some people will very quietly and deliberately work behind the scenes and they never quite seem to, to be the person who's in charge. But when it comes to just about anything, they've got their finger on the pulse of everything. You know, well, so you look at group dynamics and, um, projects when you were in school and it, all, it also happens in work situations where okay four people are given a project to do and really going into it your hope is that there aren't two people um trying to dominate that one rises to the top because you don't want that infighting right um and there's always that one person who does jack shit there's yes. one person making the plan and one leading and one who does jack shit. And then the, and then there's that fourth member who's frustrated by the whole process. <laughs> yeah, that would be me. So human group dynamics and that wolf study is actually a really good um, foundation for, for a werewolf pack. Not a wolf pack, but a werewolf pack. Because um, we do play dominance games. We do um, create leadership um, 
structures, we do look in a group to have one of have one somebody in charge making all the decisions. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there is. There's always going to be that. Now, one it person. probably won't surprise any of you that I like to be in charge. No, what was my first clue? <laughs> I mean, gee, I, I, I never would have guessed. <laughs> I'm with Queenie. I gotta go find my surprise face. Hang on, just a sec. I think I can find this thing. <laughs> and I would get really pissed off. And I was also that bitch that if you didn't do your part. When it came time to turn the project in, I would tell the teacher that you didn't do your part. Because fuck you. <laughs> the last Even going back as far as the third grade. I would be, yes. okay, she did this and she did that and he did this and they did nothing. <laughs> mm-hmm. Fucker. Um, my... My office, the last time I had to do a long-term training, god damn it, Husband, person, excuse me. Ignore him. He vapes in the fucking office and it sets off the alarm. God damn it. Anyhow. Tell us how you really feel. <laughs> I've actually been sleeping and woken up to that damn thing. Okay. So yeah, my, my thrill of this is just fabulous. But no, last time my office had a... Let's throw everybody in training and, and we're going to make everybody participate and you have to underline, bold, italicized, starred, and then highlighted have to participate. <laughs> and my reaction to that was utterly unprintable. And then they said, come on, you'll enjoy yourself. And I looked at my boss and it's like, the fuck are you smoking? And I think I actually said that to her. See, here's the thing. I'm that bitch that would go into that meeting. It was a month. And make everybody else around me miserable. To the point where they would be like, can't she be excused? I don't think Kira needs to be here. <laughs> it was a month. I had no choice. <laughs> okay. I ended up... Because, and what made it worse was being told that while you have to be here and participate in this, all of the training that we're doing is not relevant to the job that, that you are being quote unquote trained on because you already know your job. So, you know, suffer. And it's like, what? And they repeated. Did they it have one of those like, questionnaires at the end where you can fill out how much you enjoyed it and offer suggestions for the future? Yes, actually, they they don't like giving me those because I'm honest. And um, I gave my last one the lowest rating I could, which I believe was no stars. And I gave them a very pointed. <laughs> this was the stupidest training I've ever had. I did not use a single cursor. I award you no points. <laughs> Yeah, basically. Everyone and, in the room is dumber for having participated. <laughs> oh my God, yes. And by the way, I actually one one of my one of my pro works that I I did I Hey wrote boo. <laughs> yeah, the problem is Boo, um, these people were the type of raw raws who were 
pardon me for saying this, everybody, let's go and do our thing. We're going to have so much fun today. <laughs> oh my God, I want to kill them. <laughs> Needless to say. But there's not enough coffee on the planet for me to tolerate somebody like that. I've, I mean, <laughs> from orbit, nuke them from orbit. That's the only way to be sure. Yes, the problem is, is they kept up that attitude for 30 days. I can't even. I can't. I'm all and, out of even. And and then they took us over over to a improv comedy something and you know said we're going to do this as our celebration of making it through training and I went do I have to show up? Yes. My my right eyebrow just twitched. My, and I wasn't <laughs> even there and I my eye, no, there, my, my eyes twitched. <laughs> boo there was no booze. All right. So I got there. I looked at the VP who forced me to do this. I said, I'm here. And she's like, are you going to participate? And I look at her and I said, no. I pulled my headphones out. I plugged them into my phone. I turned on the music. I jacked it up and I turned on and I pulled out. I don't even remember what I was reading at the time. And I blatantly sat down and I started reading. I got the death glare from hell. I said, I'm here. I hate this. Why am I here? Do I get paid I'm for this? I'm sit here for four hours. Oh, yeah, I got this? paid for it. I got paid for it. <laughs> I'm not getting paid. I'm not oh, I got paid. This. But no, I, I was such not a happy camper. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I my my level of participation got more and more snide as the month wore on. <laughs> snide level twenty-two. Yeah, actually, I was I was aiming towards the stratosphere, and the thing is, is my coworkers who knew me were like, "LH, please, you know, go back, keep writing, just hush, just you know, don't don't you know, shh, shh, it'll be it'll be okay, it'll be okay, shh, don't make me put the ripper on a plane." <laughs> At this point, it's don't make me put the pen down and start paying attention to the drivel that you're spouting. <laughs> the other day, someone, Jelly, asked me um, mm -hmm. how I felt about something. And I said, frankly, I'm a big chunk of pink Himalayan salt over it. <laughs> yeah. Big old chunk. <laughs> And she said, wow, color and geography. <laughs> she just, oh, yeah. I, I, and honestly, I'm still a little pink Himalayan salt over it. <laughs> mm -hmm. the, the thing for me is, is I have a reputation at my company where, in the trainings that I'm not really invested in, I sit there and if I don't actually have the option to to write in a notebook and they make me quote unquote pay attention, my eyes close and I sit there and I'm I'm basically just, you know, I'll I'll rub my top lip or I'll I'll sit there with my arms crossed or whatever. And I've had my supervisors poke me and say, wake up, and I'm looking, I look over at them and it's like, I'm listening. And then I ask a question and it's normally germane to what's going on or it sparks more of a, uh, of a, of a conversation, but I hate most of these trainings cause they're stupid, you know, and, <laughs> um, 
I do my level best not to snore, but they're really apparently rude. I snore like a little mouse, oh, much like so I sneeze. Cute. Apparently, so I can't sleep in public. I have a little mouse snore, but I have um, sleep apnea, so that's why. Um, well, you know, group dynamics. I I think honestly, it it has merit in werewolf fiction. As, as far as that goes. Um, because humans and projection and that's a thing. And um, we do tend to create situations in groups like that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> oh, Senna. That is hilarious. Apparently, Senna all... says, you merely adopted the salt. I was born in it, molded by it. Wait, 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 stop. I didn't see beyond the salt mines until I was grown, and then there was nothing to me but bland. <laughs> the thing that gets me is, you know, when when you have when you have how this is, you know, with with the way we've got werewolf fiction at the moment, it seems like um, we've got what we've got alphas, and we've got everybody else. All right. And Omega in the Teen Wolf fandom means an outcast. Okay. Uh, or somebody who's on the edge of being an outcast. It's not a biological definition, which is about the only reason I think I'm not having a complete screaming fit over it. Um, um, figure out, you know. <laughs> The rules that 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 they they live by. Okay, um, how are I mean? And also, avoid creating situations um, in your fic. And this is something that I see in um, that is a is a problem in ripple management, um, mm -hmm. where you make a decision early on, not not specifically anybody, just you in general, not Lady Holder, but just you in general. Mm -hmm. um, you make a decision early on in your novel um, and you don't pay attention to the ripples. Mm -hmm. um, one of the things that I was really hesitant about in, um, in Ties That Bind was, uh, there, were, there, were, there, there were a couple of things. Um, one, I didn't want to spin off a slave AU. Mm -hmm. So I was very careful to not encourage that kind of political circumstance in ties that bind that I made it very unsavory and um, not something that would be viewed as attractive. Um, and second, I avoided extreme practices and some of you are reading that, or who have read it, are thinking, whoa, wait, you avoided the extreme stuff? Yes, honey, mm -hmm. I did. I did. Um, because one of the things in Ties That Bind that I explored was uh, McKay's um, masochism. And mm -hmm. I kept ramping it up. But there were a couple of things, like... He took right off the he took off the menu right away. But yeah, I took them I took them off the menu because there mm -hmm. there comes a point when the next step after that is permanent mutilation. Mm -hmm. 
And I, he actually, um, there is a cock cage in Ties That Bind. Mm -hmm. um, it is used when John punishes him. Mm -hmm. um, oh, you know what, Boo? There was a figging fic in um, Inception. Rocked my world. Wow. I don't think it's on AO3 anymore. Fantastic. So good. Um, but I did remove things like sounding. Um, I did. Uh, I was very careful about punishments. Because it creates a spiral effect. So when you're making decisions about um, your world structure. You want to avoid um, creating a circumstance that can spiral out of your control. Hmm. Like. Jilly a long time ago mentioned a fic where there was a circumstance in the fic where Omegas, this is an ABO, where Omegas could be put into subspace by being touched in a certain spot on their mm. neck. And anybody could do it. No. And the ramifications of that are fucking horrific. It reminds me of that moment in Star Trek Next Generation when they revealed to the audience that Data had an off button. Uh -huh. I remember being so horrified uh -huh. that he turned Data off. He turned Data off. I remember that episode. It was horrifying. Uh I had to I had to stop watching it. I got so upset. I had to stop watching it. And I didn't at the time I was very young. I didn't really understand why I found it so horrific. Right, Erite. Mm -hmm. I did believe Data to be a, a a living creature and a human's off button is death. And it was just it's it it was horrifying. Very impactful. Um, and Data was right to tell Riker that he didn't hold any of it against him because if Riker hadn't brought his A game, then maybe Data wouldn't have been considered or would not have been declared um, sentient by Starfleet, mm -hmm. and then his then his autonomy would have been taken from him permanently. Yes, I know. There's an episode where they do that. They put him on trial. There was a scientist at the um at federation who wanted to um study data and that would require them him opening up his cyber his cybernetic brain and data said mm -hmm. no and the scientist said you don't have the right to say no because you belong to starfleet and data protested that and they had a trial mm -hmm. and data won this is also the episode where we find out well we knew but they didn't know that Data had a sexual relationship with Tasha Yar. Mm -hmm. We knew, but nobody else knew. <laughs> yep. That ep that episode... But Data was not only sentient, Data was sapient. Mm -hmm. And having, having something like that um, in your world building is... I actually was watching somebody on YouTube play Detroit Become Human, and I had to turn it off. I, I, I could not watch it. I think I was watching Kelsey play it, and I had to stop. 
I mean, it was a fantastic episode, but when they mm-hmm. when he when when Riker turned Data off, I was like, "Oh my god, how does he have an off button?" Mm-hmm. What the actual ever fuck? Yep. I probably said I was a kid, but I was a kid. But now, now I think about it, I think, why the fuck does Data have an off button? Data has an off button. Did you ever watch his... iRobot? Uh, yes. The iRobot, where the decommissioned robots are live are in a container, and they apparently go in in little in neat little lines, and then um, after a time, they all huddle together in a certain spot for companionship. Mm-hmm. Yep. It. Uh-uh. But then you know, human beings, we do that. We we. I mean, I went out and got a little stuffed penguin after I wrote Finding Atlantis. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I know I'm not the only one who has a stuffed penguin now because somebody else mentioned having one. Because, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, we create emotional connections to these characters. <laughs> yep. In these machines. And we program the, you know, them for that. And I mean, come on. We we adjusted. Yes, Sam. That's the word I meant, but there's no way in fuck I could actually say it. Anthromorphosize. Anthromorphosize. Anthromorphosize, I believe. No, what I was going to say is, come on. We 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 took a a um, robot that we sent to Mars, and when it was when it was dying, we grieved. We also sent a Mar. We always sent. We also sent a robot to Mars and taught him how to sing "Happy Birthday" so that on his birthday yes. he could sing "Happy Birthday" to himself. Yes. <laughs> and that's not sad. No. Someone and sat I'm... down and programmed it so that mm-hmm. that little robot had the ability. To celebrate his own birthday. Mm-hmm. And that's amazing. That speaks to the human spirit. That's beautiful. Thought, but I'm, you know, I'm, I'm going to double check, but I'm pretty sure that we're still trying to get that, you know, that, that, that robot back. So, but you know, because, well, so the point is, is that we make decisions um, and those decisions can sometimes come back to bite you. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you see an author creating something that's really dynamic and interesting mm-hmm. and fascinating. Um, and then they make a decision. That for me, because if if I could pick out a single strength that I have that I would want to give other writers specifically, mm-hmm. it's the ability to see this, um, is to see the consequences of the choices that you make in your work. Um, because it kind of unfold rapidly in front of me, sometimes in several different directions when I'm thinking about a choice I'm going to make, um, and the ramifications of that choice. And I've done it on the podcast a couple of times for you guys. And I wish that I could give all of you that. That that weird little quirk I've got in my brain. But that only that you could activate it when you want it to be activated. Because I don't have a choice. 
<laughs> about when it's activated. I did not sleep for a week after Donald Trump was elected president. I had no choice. I had to get myself to sleep. But I drank to get And myself. frankly, nothing he's done since he was elected is a, um, is a surprise to me. Mm -mm. But we're not going to discuss that. <laughs> no politics. Um, I'm just saying that when that happened, my brain went... Yeah. Lots and lots. And, and nothing lots. he's done has been a surprise. Yeah. The, the consequences. So I would want you guys to have that ability, that that consequences ability, but one you could shut off. Because <laughs> I can't, and it's not good. It, the anxiety is real. <laughs> Register to vote. Vote. Mm -hmm. Fucking vote. Please. Thank you. Yes. Um, but think when you make it sometimes you make a little decision you make a tiny decision it's really small and then the next thing you know five chapters down it's a fucking tsunami you're like well, that's not what i intended to happen oh yeah or if you're posting a work in progress and your readers are seeing it before you do and they're making comments like oh i can't wait to see this and you're like that's not what oh fuck me <laughs> Though that's the consequence. That's what's uh -huh. and when you don't do it, the suspension of disbelief and your story falls apart. Mm -hmm. Because you haven't accounted for your ripples. No, I actually important in a concept that. like a shifter world. You want to um make very concise. Yeah, they they actually in the in, in game they pay no attention to the ripples of Steve Rogers living his life in the past and throughout the MCU. I can't get I can't get certain people to to pay attention to it either. Yeah, so, it, it, it's even depressing. about the end of the line, Steve. Why did you let your wife go to work every day with Nazis, uh -huh. Steve? Why did you leave your best friend in the hands of the Russians and then eventually Hydra for decades? Hey, Steve, why did you let the Winter Soldier murder Howard and Maria Stark? Mm -hmm. Hey, Steve, why did you let your wife go to work every day with goddamn Nazis? I'm asking for a friend. Her name is Peggy. She'd like to fucking know. Oh, yeah, that would have gone over like such a brick. It is the single most disgusting and selfish thing I've ever seen in a movie. <sighs> Done by a so-called hero. Mm -hmm. What the actual fuck. And also, while we're on the subject of in-game, don't get this off my chest. I am, I've got a lot of problems with, with Natasha character but I would it would make me happy as a woman if you would stop fucking killing women to motivate men <laughs> fuck you <laughs> fuck all y'all by the way I realize I, I actually have another um, werewolf thing okay yeah because I've, I've got the one with Stargate and then I've got mm -hmm. one with Avengers have I read that? I think so. 
I mean, I'm pretty sure I have, but I read something that I wrote the other day and I had no memory of writing it. <laughs> so yeah, that's the one. And Cinna was incredibly sweet and actually made oh actually no, it was Sybil who made me this art. Yeah, but that one <clears throat> but those two this one is I mean, we could go back all the way to Winter Soldier and have that mm -hmm. conversation. I mean, it's just I I never thought going into the MCU that I would come out the other side of it hating Captain America. Mm-hmm. I didn't. I didn't think I would when I when I saw him in Avengers. I mean that that Steve was a bit of a snot, but you know he seemed like he was reasonably redeemable and and something that you could mold. But anything moving on from there was just like horrifying. And I would I would challenge anybody to tell me that the writers of Endgame actually like Steve Rogers as a character. Because if that's how you treat a character you like, I would hate... Oh, wait. You kill the ones you don't like. Mm-hmm. Okay. It's just... It's just, mm. it's just fucking frustrating. Yep. But Jane's Rhodes remains a cupcake. <laughs> yeah, he's a nice guy. A perfect cupcake. Yeah. With sprinkles. You can keep the sprinkles. I don't like I don't like sprinkles. I like cream cheese frosting. He's a cupcake. He's a perfect cupcake. And I ship him with Captain Marvel. Oh yeah. Yeah, I, I could take that. Like gang busters. Anyways. <clears throat> Going back to the shifter thing. Because we keep wandering further and further and further afield. Well, you know. I think that's Jermaine, actually, because they made decisions mm -hmm. in the MCU that True. ruined a lot of characters for me and mm -hmm. ruined the story for me and ruined the movies. And I'm not going to watch... There are... I will never watch another Avengers movie. I'm done. I'm done. Mm -hmm. I will probably watch the standalones for Black Panther... Mm -hmm. Captain Marvel and Guardians of the Galaxy, but I am and and the, and the Guardians of the Galaxy is really fucking iffy. Okay, yeah, they have to be really careful with that as after what they did. Or, yes, and no, because she's not replaceable. Even with a Gamora from the past, she's not replaceable. She isn't his Gamora, and if he doesn't know the difference between her and the one that was murdered. I'm fucking done. Um, and that's it. I'm done. Otherwise, I'm done. It seems like the same. I, you know, boo, no, I'm not going to watch the Eternals um, because I don't want to give them another opportunity to 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 give me a stressed nosebleed in the middle of a theater. Y'all yeah. know that my nose bled the last ten minutes of Endgame, right? I do now. It bled so much, I had to use a freaking maxi pad out of my purse to contain it. Ouch. I, that's how bad that movie stressed me out. I got a nosebleed. Probably from high blood pressure. Because it happened when I realized... Uh, I knew going into it that Tony Stark was going to die. I knew it. Mm -hmm. I had not been spoiled, but I knew it. It started to happen... When he turned to Doctor Strange and did that, and Doctor Strange did that little finger wiggle, mm -hmm. 
my nose started bleeding. And then it bled the rest of the movie. I was done. So when you make creative choices like that, you have to look at the consequences of those choices. So when you're doing world building for a shift reverse, you want to make very specific, well-considered choices. So you don't end up, unless you specifically want to, creating a situation where werewolves are controlled by the government or they have so many laws pressed them on, upon them that they're second-class citizens but just because they're a werewolf. I have That's to say that the mess. editing for Endgame was probably the best of all the movies. Just the mm -hmm. editing was fucking brilliant. Yeah, they they managed they managed the tension really really well. But Dark's right. The writing, fuck you, because they said fuck mm -hmm. you to us. So fuck you back, Marvel. <laughs> oh, incredibly. Just done. I'm 100 done. So what it boils down to is that your audience is trusting you to make these really good choices for your work and to be honest about the content that you're presenting. Oh, Senna, I adore you, but no. The greatest Marvel character of all time was Tony Stark. Mm-hmm. You never convinced me otherwise. <laughs> <laughs> I think he's Jilly's unicorn, but yeah. I'm pretty sure he was Stan Lee's unicorn, but okay. <laughs> yeah, that too. Um, but it's it's just super important that you think about the ramifications of your choices. And so if you're creating laws that are specific werewolves in your AU, um, you're creating circumstances where they could be treated as a second class citizen. If that's what you intend, you do you. Just warn us so that way we can avoid it, please. Right? <laughs> but if it's not what you intend, you need to think about it and make different choices. Because, you know, the, the second class citizen thing, the, the, you know, making them lesser, we've already had a taste of that in fandom and we all hated it. Okay. And. Well, that's not accurate. Okay, I'm talking about the um, the bitches. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there are a lot of people who really enjoyed that GDP universe in Sentinel. Yeah, there are a lot of people who really, really enjoy those extremely abusive ABO fix. And if that's the audience that you want, that audience is out there for you. Oh yeah. Oh um. Guide. Oh Lord, I don't even remember what the hell it means anymore. Um, it was a slave AU for uh the Sentinel. Guides were slaves, and they were owned by their Sentinels. And it was written originally the um um the 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 guide development program. Yeah, that that rings a bell, boo. Susan Foster wrote the first one, and then and then it became a huge trope. Mm -hmm. It was very mm -hmm. popular. It was very abusive. Um, and I am not bashing Susan Foster. I'm mm -hmm. sure she knows exactly what she wrote. Um, I never read it because I have issues with um, consent and slavery. Um, and as far as I'm concerned, you cannot have consent 
and slavery in the same sentence. Mm -hmm. So GDP fix for me were just big rape fix. So no matter how you phrase it, no matter how you create it, person, then they cannot consent. They're not capable of consent, genuine consent, if you own them. So I don't, I didn't read it. So I'm not bashing her. Um, I, I never read a single word she wrote because I was warned ahead of time. And I think, I'm not sure who warned me. Might have been you, Lady Holder. Might have been. Probably was considering that I... I read a lot of this crap, and the thing is, is I'm looking at it on fan lore, and ye grew gooly moogly. Um, yeah, you know, we'll have to read it. Um, I'm not yeah, and I, to... I don't doubt her quality of writing. Um, I, I've never experienced it. Um, I don't read that kind of thing, and I'm sure she knows exactly what she wrote. Um, it oh, yeah. seems to, um, the, the idea seemed very well thought out, and, um, mm -hmm. uh, it was forced bondings and well. you know it's just it seems the, but there was also um, that trope in the sentinel where um guides were bonded to sentinels and even if a relationship with their sentinel they were never allowed to have another romantic or intimate relationship with anyone else ever again as long as they lived mm -hmm. and that like blair bonded with Jim, but Jim was like deeply homophobic, and so he was, you know, he want he, you know, he needed a guide, so he used Blair for that. But Blair couldn't even like talk to somebody else. He, Jim basically owned him, and, and that 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 trope was also very popular in the Sentinel. Gross, that's so fucking gross. Mm -hmm. There's a line actually in the Awakening, in response to that trope. And it could be why I got some grief. Because Blair tells Jim, well, if you're not going to fuck me, I'm going to find somebody who will. <laughs> yeah, I remember. Yeah. And I, I recognize where it was, where it was coming from. You know, it's, it's, I read, I've read a lot of stuff that looking back on it's like oh there's no way i, I remember reading one where it was illegal to be an unregistered sentinel and jim got caught and he yes. got taken to this education center and i did not finish it but this is my breaking point when they finished registering him and basically they're you know beginning the brainwashing um portion program they give him a chastity device to wear because to their way of thinking, Sentinels are vulnerable to sexual assault. And he was getting ready to leave the center for something, like to go back to work or something. And he had to put on a um, a chastity device that not only like put his dick in a cage, but it also had an insert for his anus, and they kept the key. Mm -mm. It like wrapped around his waist. And there was a lock. And the center's place kept the key. And I was like, oh no, I'm done. <laughs> oh, find out. I don't know how he managed to take a shit with that in place. I, I, 
I stopped reading. And I'm not bashing the author. I'm not. Um, the writing, of the, I remember specifically her, her quality of writing was great. It's just the concept was so outrageous. And I was thinking to myself, if Sentinels are that vulnerable to rape, what the fuck kind of society is it? It's one where, you know, somebody decided that they wanted this character to be at their beck and call. No, but what that means, that what the ramifications of this of this particular plot device implies that Jim is living in a country full of rapists. That too. And that the only reason that he won't get raped is if he's wearing this chastity device. Because people seem to go out of their way to rape sentinels. Yeah. It the the, the point is, is that two wrongs don't make a right and nobody should be a slave. It's just that the whole slave concept in the Sentinel it was, was so off-putting that I never would have actually written in that written in that in, in the fandom if I didn't encounter that shit first. It's a good thing that that you didn't encounter it, but yeah, that's. <laughs> I just. I, okay, and that's why this you know Supernatural got ruined for me because the first time I went to read Supernatural, I came across the incest fic and I was done, done. <laughs> I was like, ah. They're brothers. Oh my god. <laughs> What's wrong with you? <laughs> yeah, fandom creep is definitely a thing. And, and that's how tropes become what they are. That's how GDP exploded in Sentinel. Um, as talked one night about how there were like just a few slave fix. And then there were like a thousand. <laughs> I mean, it went like if, over a period of a week. From a few to like hundreds were being passed around in these that. Yahoo it, groups and on. It was yeah. just like, it just exploded. I it, think ABO was, was the same way. It was a really weird thing where, you know, I remember reading a lot of stuff where, you know, you had Woby um, Blair and then you had, I guess, the first couple GDPs and then there were felt like hundreds of them. And then somebody started gathering them together in one spot or links to them. And the list was like fucking endless. Right. And it was, Oh, I agree that AO3 has caused a, I think that ABO is a prime example of that kind of creep crossing many fandoms. Um, and maybe even the Sentinel as well. Like, you know, the, um, the Sentinels are known crossover. I know some people might blame me for that, you know, being a lot more popular than it used to be. But I with only more to blame. I blame Lady Holder. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Now, I mean, it wasn't about me specifically, Sam, but about rough trade. Um mm -hmm. what um in that for a long time, there weren't a whole lot of Sentinel stories coming out. And so we did these events on Rough Trade where we specifically focused on um, the Sentinel. And especially the, we called it the Little Black Dress Challenge mm -hmm. from the thing that it's always kind of been the Little Black Dress. And we started putting a whole bunch of Sentinels or known stories across multiple fandoms on AO3. So there was this influx every couple of years where there would be this huge number of words just drop, you know, and like 30 or 40, sometimes 50 stories. Mm -hmm. 
at once. And it it makes a huge difference because, you know, you've got um there's a, there's a level of quality to it, you know, in in some ways, you know, that that Yeah, but the Sentinel have... fandom got old and then people stopped posting to it. Yes. They got I mean but we started adding to it. Right. You know, and we didn't, you know, we didn't give up on it. We decided that, you know, we were going to um, revitalize it. And, and we did. Okay. It. But I do get a lot of grief actually for that Sentinels are known concept because of that thing on fan lore. What do they fan call it? just hates you anyhow. Um, I don't this is actually quite nice what they said to me. Fan lore is not kind to me as a rule. Um, but I, th I think they they call it the seminal. Not what do they call it? I forget what they called it. It was I was I, I, I busted out laughing when I heard it. It's just ridiculous. Let me check. <laughs> lower helps if I can actually do this right. And lower. It's the Sentinels are known page. Well, is yeah, where it's at. Well, actually, it's it's, it's, it's about the awakening. Sure. No, yeah, it's not there. Can. It's on the awakening page. Oh, it, it, it's on the page of Sentinels are known at the bottom. They talk about works, specific works. Okay. So <clears throat> but um, mm. <laughs> there was a slowdown. I'm not claiming I wrote it, Sam. I'm I'm not claiming that I'm that I originated the concept. What I'm saying mm -hmm. is, is a lot of people blame me for the current popularity of it. And I don't mean it kindly. Mm hmm I think what the, what you're looking for is one of the seminal works of, of uh fan fiction. Yes. Fan yeah. lore said that about me. Mm hmm So the the awakening is the seminal work for um Honey, they hate you. So you know, I don't. Yeah. I don't see what the issue is. I mean, you would not believe the amount of grief I get over the Sentinel, even now, even now, mm -hmm. um, which is why that we're going to have a whole celebration this year. Mm -hmm. Because I had last time I did a little black dress challenge. Um, someone wrote me an email from an from an email account that they immediately closed afterwards, mm -hmm. where they asked me to please make this the last Sentinel challenge I put on Rough Trade. Because they were tired of seeing so many crossovers come into AO3. <laughs> mm. So I immediately sat down and we planned the year of the Sentinel. <laughs> By the way, your, your, uh, your opening um line on here. Kara Marcos is a Latter-day big name fan in Stargate Shut Atlantis up. fandom. We've already had where her where her yeah. longish slash uh, series are often recommended for their sweeping romance and epic scale. She also writes in other fandoms. <laughs> We're done. <laughs> We're done with that ridiculous page. I don't know why I ever did the fan lore, but somebody edited my page and said that I'd been accused of being a misogynist. Oh, that's on there still, too. Because <sighs> someone called me a misogynist on LiveJournal mm -hmm. once. 
one person called me a misogynist on live journal once and now it's like part of my fan lore bio forever yeah I, I i find it ridiculous let's see well jilly's mentioned in here with with the journey home <laughs> i'm sure she's thrilled i'm pretty sure she's hating it so but you know um yeah the Sentinel fandom doesn't like me, mm-hmm. and neither does fan lore. And maybe that's connected. <laughs> I don't know. It could be connected, y'all. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it is. There are plenty. There, there are Sentinel purists who don't like the crossovers, who don't like the Sentinels are known, um, who specifically like their um, Blair Sandberg to be a big Whoopi crybaby, um, and um, they get really pissed off when you don't meet their standard. Oh my holy Jesus. Okay, this is funny. So I decided to just to, to look myself up because every once in a while I'd like to know what people think about this, about me. And I'm in FamLore twice. And once is a review that I put up for Fate Protects Fools, Small Children, and Ships Names Valor. And that's over the reviews over on Slash World. And the other is because I use the, the title Lantia for a planet. <laughs> They've ignored me. I'm kind of, I'm, I, I find this to be funny. Slightly disturbing, but still funny. So we did our first little black dress challenge in um, July of 2015. And we had uh-huh. 81 stories. And then we, we did it again did it in 2016, and we had yeah, we had 71 stories. And then, huh? We did it again in 18. We had 76 stories. Jesus, we are doing. And that's work. when I was told I shouldn't ever do it again. So that's 228 Sentinel cross, and most of them are crossovers. Not all, but most. So we didn't do it last year. Because we already had a plan for last year, but um, mm-hmm. I made up for it this year. <laughs> and I expect to see at least 200 stories this year coming to the Sentinel fandom. Shit. At least 200. So I hope we're all geared up for it. It's going to be exciting. Mm-hmm. But yeah, there are a lot of old school Sentinel fans who are, who are pissy about um rough trades um sentinel challenges as a rule or maybe specifically about me because of the awakening and kiss my ass because <laughs> i got a lot of abuse for the awakening to the point where i didn't i mean i abandoned all of my um works in progress for the sentinel yes which really you know it, it pissed me off because those dumb motherfuckers I mean, I had seven, seven or eight. Mm-hmm. I remember. Hmm. I have to get back. But see, they memory. wanted Morphic, but they only wanted Morphic in a specific certain way that met their specific standard. Mm-hmm. I think With their characterization. Mm-hmm. And their rules. And you can't do this, this, and this, and this. And you have to do this. Yeah, that's pretty much what I said, boo. Yeah, go fuck yourself. Mm-hmm. 
But that's a case where, you know, you, you want, they, they wanted. Oh no, no, they didn't want Canon because they still wanted Jim to be fucking no. Blair, but they wanted Blair to basically be a girl, uh, but not a girl because he still had to have a dick, but he couldn't use it for anything. Um, yeah. Because he, he, he couldn't be, he couldn't um, be aggressive, and Jim probably be shouldn't even touch Blair's dick because mm-hmm. ew, gross. Um, and Blair should cry a lot and be weak and um, ineffectual, um, and not even be a badass girl, but like a girly pussy girl. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and how he dare I to... make Blair Jim's mm-hmm. equal? And the guy isn't supposed to be equal. No, he couldn't. He, should, be competent. He, he couldn't be competent. I mean, they had a very specific set of characterizations that Blair Sandberg had to have, or, or to them, it wasn't actually legitimately Sentinel fanfic. I mean, it's just, you know, but the point is, is that when you make um, choices in your stories and in your foundation of your work, that can ripple out in so many good and bad ways. And a lot of times it will look like foreshadowing and then when you don't follow through on that foreshadowing that your reader is seeing that you're not, then your reader is disappointed and you're like, why are you disappointed? I did exactly what I said I was going to do. And they were like, what about this? What about this and this? And you're like, that <sighs> That had nothing to do with my I story. Need... Why do you want that in there? That's not what I was going to do. Well, you did this. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if I had known, if I had known that, uh, Jim being an exclusive top was like part of their criteria. He would have definitely got it up the ass and <laughs> the awakening. I think that would have been the first thing you did. I mean, right. This is, this is the reason why certain scenes have showed up in, in fic. And as a matter of fact, this is the reason why you have, you have one Harry Potter fic that you're, you're picking apart from the seams to, to stitch it back together again because spite. Spite. Because spite's a thing. It totally is a thing. I mean, I wrote 100K a spite fic because someone told me not to write female McKay. <laughs> oh, really? Is that yes. what? <laughs> okay. <laughs> yes. Mm. Thanks, Queenie. I think, well, I find it all vastly. But yeah, but there are a handful of people in the Sentinel fandom. If something happens, I'm to blame. Yeah. If they actually bothered to listen to you, they'd start blaming me. (laughs) (laughs) I've seen one where Jim actually turns into a girl. Like full on turns into a girl. Because it's an evolutionary thing. Yeah, no, that is a perfect example. That is a perfect example. Num says... Shepard's offhand comment that he had a job for Vala was one of those oops consequences moments, wasn't it? Yes. Yes, it was. There's a moment in No Enemy Within when John is having a conversation with Vala Maldoran, who has joined um, Atlantis, and Daniel is um, either being evaluated or he's already received his gene therapy. I forget which one. Um, and in the middle of, of being um, tested or run through the simulations, if I remember right. Yeah. And um, he, she, um, he says something along the lines is he always has, you know, a need for a space power or something like that. I forget. And she says, oh, do you have something specific you need me to do? And he says, as a matter of fact, I do. But if he doesn't, <laughs> there's um, nothing. We spent, we spent the last 10 years trying to figure out what the fuck that is. 
<laughs> I mean, how did I get through beta? Like, hold her. <laughs> we talked about how did you it. Let me put that it... out. Excuse me. No, 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 no. We talked about this. We made an initial decision. You went, uh-huh, yeah, sure, yep. And then you wrote the next one, and that invalidated that fucking idea. <laughs> That's not true, because I actually wrote book one, two, and three before you ever even saw book one. Okay. Remember? Yes, and then and then Chris and I put a, a, a spork in the wheel and fucked that one over, and I'm sorry about that. And then I had to rewrite book two, and book three is a hot fucking mess as a result. But yes, yeah, so... Originally, I thought she might go steal that ZPM from those assholes who who didn't let them have it after they won it in the puzzles. But why the fuck would they steal a ZPM when when, when just the, to be a dick? Well, yeah. So they can't. Do <laughs> Which you know, okay. <laughs> they don't know about the ship in the volcano yet. No. But so, they, so she can't go steal that, and even and she, and she wouldn't. I mean, that would be something John would go. You know, John's going to go personally to get that ship when he finds out there's a ship there. He's going to go get Alanis's right. well, Theseus's baby. He's going to go get him. You know, that's just not going to play. Um, but um, so I don't. Way, do you I don't know what, what the fuck decided? she's going to steal. Do you remember? No. Do you want me to tell you? <laughs> you might need to because I have no fucking memory of it at all. Well, it will be recorded at least so you can come back to it later. Okay. Okay. So what No one wants to know. No I figured somebody wants to know. One of the original options for what she was gonna steal was that somehow Earth got hold of a Levi Leviathan baby. A seed. Oh no, wait, that's part of something. Well, that's one of the things we wanted her to steal. Yeah. What was the other one? Because uh, that ended up going somewhere else. Okay, well then there goes that idea. Remember? No. Well, yeah, kind of. Um, we only plotted that book 600 times. How could you forget? Well, because there's six different, <laughs> 600 different variations. It's like, Jesus, criminally, I'd have... To... Um, I think there might also have been a shade of kidnapping in there stealing because there's Orlin or whatever the hell that kid's name is who got parked in the uh, um, but for some reason I, I, I thought that we paid something in Pegasus because she's in Pegasus why, why would he send her back to Earth to steal something because she blends and he she's been there more recently um, Vala does not blend <laughs> what he doesn't blend because she doesn't want to Okay. Um <laughs> sorry, Boo. Or maybe I'm not sorry about Boo. Um I don't think there's anything in Pegasus that she needs to steal. That's the issue. I think that's the I think that's the 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 the, 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 the consequences of our Yeah. Yeah. It it, it became a thing. Or, you know, it, if, if, you know, she was willing to go, I don't know how she'd manage this to do it in, in the mop gear, but go in and steal all of the Janai's, you know, uranium so they can't go play with shit they shouldn't be playing with anymore. 
I actually just nuked him from orbit. Um, (laughs) Or both. Yeah. Like ether faces off their skulls, you know, second. Um, No, you Having her steal a mothership actually has a whole lot of appeal because they don't have one in Pegasus and she's uniquely qualified to run one. Yeah. You know what else um, might be useful just to pick it apart for the tech? Would be a sarcophagus because it can heal from death, which is something that she can't do. Atlantis cannot do. Well, if they got the right mothership, they would have. Um, they would have both. <laughs> exactly. That's what she's going to steal now. She's going to steal a mothership. <laughs> Congratulations, she decided. <laughs> Yay! We have made a decision. <laughs> <laughs> this might eventually become mistakes were made. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, can you imagine Jack O'Neill? So, 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 Shepard, you let Vala steal a mothership and bring it to Pegasus. Actually, what would be really it seemed like a good idea at the time is exactly what John would say. Actually, what would be really funny would be... Rodney was curious. He never got to go on one because you guys were stingy with him. And I don't see why Rodney can't have what Rodney wants. (laughs) What would be funny as fuck would be, you know, um, there's an SG um, team out there. They're they're trying to infiltrate the, the, um, the ship to get it for the SGC. And it takes off and they get a, um, a message. Better luck next time, boys. (laughs) <laughs> yeah let i didn't let her i told her <laughs> i sent her to, i sent her to the milky way with two ancient ships to bring me back a mothership and she did i don't know what y'all were doing with her when you had her but you obviously did not use her skills to the fullest of her a, ability she made some pit stops she came back with some fabulous stuff have you seen this? Pointing it's at. not my fault you didn't use her abilities. God, can you imagine? She went shopping. Well, no, I'm just thinking about it. She would go just shopping. from the sheer practical point of view. Okay. Like, okay, Vala, so go get us some other ship. And while you're there, if there are any Jaffa who are looking for a fight, let them know we have one. Well, yeah, but that that's that's one thing. But what I was thinking of more is um, Pegasus is light in certain metals, among which, if I remember right, is Naquita, right? That's the implication. Okay. Do you know but how much in, Naquita But in um, Lantean Legacy, they actually have a planet. Right. But what I was thinking is, do you know how much Naquita is in one of those... those um, uh, those ships. And I don't know. I mean, I know that the the Stargate itself is made out of Naquita. Um, surely they wouldn't make their whole damn ship out of Naquita. No, but I mean, that would be Star Drive. That thing's powered. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure by Naquita. So... If she stole the right ship, she could steal all whole bunch of Naquita. Uh huh. And he asked, he, he said he had something for her to do 
would this be before or after? No, this was after she, they went to the, the, the resource planet, right? Right. Yeah. But, but you know, if McKay wants, if McKay wants a mothership, I think John would send Vala to the Milky Way to get him a fucking mothership because true. John's of the opinion that Rodney can have whatever he wants. <laughs> And so must everybody else over there too. So yeah, but that, that would work, you know, just send her for, you know, a shopping expedition and, you know, paying for it is utterly optional. (laughs) Yeah. So, but yeah, consequences. Yeah, because that is a tiny little throwaway sentence. But you would not believe how many people emailed me and asked me what John was going to have Vala steal. Fuck, we don't know. Or didn't know. And it was one sentence. You know, there's also I changed a sentence in the first episode of Sentinels of Atlantis. It was a sentence, and I reworded it. And about three weeks after I reworded it, it had been online for several years, and I since it always bothered me, it was very clunky. I didn't like it, so I changed it. It's my shit. I can do that. Mm-hmm. A couple weeks pass, then I start getting emails. To date, I've gotten twenty-two emails about this single sentence in the gathering. <clears throat> My response is, oh, yeah, that, that, yeah, it it was there, but I edited it because I didn't think it was, um, it just didn't fit the scene. And more than once, I've got a response back, oh, that's too bad. Episode. (laughs) (laughs) You never know what your readers are going to latch on to and take to heart Mm -hmm. and keep close and expect you to resolve you know i i've got certain lines that i wrote that i you know i thought people would notice and you know that they'd like and then people find other stuff and it's like okay whatever and sometimes you have this tiny little subplot that you think really is is not super important and it's actually so unimportant that you could actually pull it out of your work and it would not impact the the work at all. Mm-hmm. And then you have this little subset of readers who only want to know about that tiny subplot. I'm like... <laughs> it's just a tiny bit of world building to give the story more... To round it a little depth. bit more, mm-hmm. a little more depth into the magical fabric of this particular Harry Potter story, and um, it has no actual bearing on the plot of Harry Potter and the Soulmate Bond. But you would not believe the number of people who have emailed me and asked me about Harry's house elf campaign with Star, and it is a minor subplot. Of which there are like three scenes, I think, total over the entire series. Yeah, but it's it's a it's a thing that you know it it's freedom. It's and it's, it's world building. Yeah, I know it's world building, but it's freedom and subversiveness, subversiveness, and it's you know um, it's it's 
deviousness and shit. But and it's but I could remove it and it would not at all. It is simply a piece of world building that builds depth into the story mm-hmm. so that you recognize as a reader that there's a larger magical world at play outside of Hogwarts. But it literally has no impact on the plot of Harry Potter and the Soulmate Bond. So I could remove it, give them a different reason. Well, actually, I could just have her join him in that ritual room for no reason at all. And they could still have that hot ritual sex and it wouldn't matter at all. Maybe. You know, but, you know, as somebody who did enjoy the hell out of A, both the hot ritual sex and (laughs) the, hey, I'm not going to lie to you. Um, and the, the sheer deviousness that, you know, Harry is displaying with his, his planning and, you know, the, the, um, enjoyment I have at the thought of what these fuckers are going to be getting. I actually could. Well, the worst part is, is that there, there is this buildup people expect out of this particular tiny subplot that's not going to be fulfilled because in the next season um harry is just going to call the press conference announce what he has done and put britain on notice that works and that's it that's that's all that's going to happen and in the background there might be a couple elves that are freed in the process but it's not going to be anything dramatic there's not going to be a showdown and everything. No, because it's a tiny subplot that has no bearing on the plot of season one or literally season two. It's just a piece of world building, um, like a fabric. It's just fabric in my world building um, to, to demonstrate, like I said, a larger magical world. Just like Hiro Ito represents, Ito represents a larger magical world. The conclave that kidnaps Harry represents a larger magical world that they're living in and being exposed to. The Harry Potter universe, the canon verse, is very small, very insular. You know, it goes to, you know, Scotland and it goes to Lon- parts of London. And that's about it. You know, it's not really it's not really looking out on the rest of the planet and the way you fold in different things, the way you move your original characters around shows us there's a lot more out there. And that's the point of that tiny subplot and all the the other subplots is when you're doing a world building, um, the way I did, um, you can demonstrate a larger world by introducing characters um, outside of the circumstances that we get in canon. Mm-hmm. Um, and like one of my favorite reincarnate characters is Stowe Flourish in oh, Harry yeah. Potter and the Soulmate Bond. And he shows up in the legacy as well. And he's just a... Um, He's an OC because we never actually meet the owner of, of Flourish and Blots. But um, he just represents a a general everyday man in Britain. Doing his job, running his bookstore. Um, and um, it's just, you know, those kinds of characters really help you build a bigger world. 
And this is why you don't want to... Honestly, it's why you don't want to depend on just canon characters when you're building something huge like Harry Potter and the Soulmate Bond. You know, it's also why with what might have been... Um, some of your OCs are also some of the most memorable characters in there because they do hint at a world that is um, bigger and more complex and, you know, they, they represent us, you know, the, the people who, you know, are, are on the outside looking in at this. You know, you've got Sean, you've got, um, I can't remember the character's name right this instant. Oh, Declan. Declan and yeah, those two looking in at, you know, the, the very insular world that is the SGC, you know, that's, you could set everything in the SGC and it'd be perfectly fine and, and it would work, but having this character who's outside of it, who, who looks in, who, who pulls people out you know, it reminds you that, that, you know, whatever is happening, there's, you know, it, it affects others and it's really not. It's yeah. Nice. There's larger world consequences, mm -hmm. um, at play. And you do that with, um, with secondary characters with, um, um, small subplots that might not serve your actual plot, but do serve your world building and everything should have a purpose, right? Every character, mm -hmm scene every plot point every subplot should have purpose whether it's to serve your main plot to serve your characterization or to serve your world building okay so you know we're, we're back to consequences sometimes when you are um building something you make decisions that will come back to haunt you but it's okay now because now i know what she's going to steal <laughs> yes. Yay. <laughs> Decisions have been made. Consequences averted. But you know, it's sometimes it's a what will will latch on to. And you're like, mm -hmm. why why do you care about that? <sighs> sometimes you know, sometimes you care about it because it's just it's it's this fascinating little tiblet tibbet that you know it's you can you can maybe figure out you know if you think long and hard about it and you look at the the action <laughs> if this leads to that to to this <laughs> i did not actually well you know okay sam i will add that to the list Tell oh jesus that, Oh, and Steve McGarrett. She now she's got a full-on shopping list. Now wait a second. So, so how about she goes back and um, he wanted a cop, so she steals his cousin, who happens to be Tony. Actually, if I brought Tony Dinozo to um, Atlantis Atlantean Legacy, it would be as. Mm -hmm. I think that that would be another, oh, look, he's Alex Shepard moment. Oh, look. I guess that, I think that's the only place actually where I think that I could actually use Alex Shepard. Okay. Declan is already, um, Declan is on the city. Yes. Yes. 
and so is Sean. Mm-hmm. But if I remember right, you switched everything up with those two on that one. I don't honestly remember. I think you did. Oh, no. Um, I made a different Declan um, in... Um, no, Jobs. Sentinels of Atlantis. It was Jobs. Oh, you... jo- maybe, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he goes to my brother in his boo. <laughs> <laughs> I'll need pictures and general location. But yeah, and you know, it's like, um, yeah, you just never know what's going to stick out. So you do have to make these careful, considered choices because sometimes it's throwaway and sometimes it has huge consequences. And sometimes you have this idea that you were really fascinated with and you throw it out there and readers mess it up for you yes and it's not something they do on purpose it's either they're too interested they're too invested they have too many questions and you're like shut the fuck up i I just let me write and and then it's just like it just it just falls to pieces and it's just like you know their questions start to make you question yourself and your intentions and your plan and that happened with me with, with, with Revenant. And that's actually the response I expected from Synthetic. A lot of, what the fuck, Kira, that I did not get. <laughs> but I got instead for Revenant, which I didn't expect. I didn't expect to get that kind of blowback from, from Revenant. People were very interested in it. They, they wanted more, 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 more. And they wanted the source material. And I think a lot of them still aren't satisfied with the fact that I am the source material. And is that now is that because I think I'm a liar and I stole a concept without attributing it, which I've never in my life ever done? Or is it because they're greedy and they want me to be lying so they have more content to read? I find the revenant idea fascinating and I it's it's interesting to see when you um look around and and see if you can put it anywhere else, but you know that's well, Revenant has a lot of potential. Mm-hmm. A lot of potential for crossover. I mean, you can stick Revenant on any fandom. Yeah. Any fandom. And it would be interesting to have an idea for Harry Potter Revenant. Well, you, you had that, I think it was an EAD, where you did one real briefly. No, I didn't put that on EAD. I swear to God you did. Mm-mm. I haven't even written it. Uh, All I have is a zero draft for that. Okay. See, Queenie Com- is is looking at the one I'm looking, at, or that's the one I'm looking at. No, that's not a revenant. No, the the one I, the the one she's talking about though is the one where I put Leonidas in Harry Potter. <laughs> yes, and actually, that's the one I, I put his it was. soul. I, no, uh, that's never mind. um, fate put. Leonidas's soul in Harry Potter's body. Okay. Well, basically, Leonidas absorbs Harry Potter's soul, and they become one, and they go into the body. But that's not a Revenant story. Oh, my! Bad I think that there's a lot of concept there that could be said to be Revenant, but that isn't something that um, that 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 isn't the Revenant principle, because okay. Leonidas was from a plane. 
um, and revenants never leave Earth. Well, they leave Earth on Star in Stargate, obviously, but okay, um, they don't they don't pass on. They don't go through the light. They are eternal spirits. Okay. And eventually, they're reabsorbed into the universe if they choose to stop anchoring. Um, but it isn't quite the same. Hmm. I think it'd be a lot of fun to explore Revenant as a little black dress concept. Um, but it was just a really frustrating experience for me as a writer. To have so many people like, oh, well, well where's the rest? Where's more of this? Where's the source material for this? What movie did you get this from? What book did you get this from? And it's hard to feel like they didn't think I was capable of not, <laughs> of creating an idea like that myself. Which was like, really? Because I'm really fucking creative. I sprung a hole as a writer from a very fertile womb, I'll have you know. <laughs> you know, honestly, I... When I look at... When I look at Revenant, I, I get amazed by it because... That one, I don't know. I mean, I don't know if I could have done that one on, you know, on my own, but I, what I, what I look at when I see that is it's, it's fascinating. You know, it's fascinating how you took the idea where you, where you grew it to and, and, you know, what, what the potential spinoffs were. You'd never know it came from the wilderness. You never know if it came from what? A Willie Nelson song. True. Yeah. But the, <laughs> the thing is, is now that That's it's the there, I can look at The Highway yeah. by Willie Nelson. There you go. There you go. But the thing is, is now that I know it's there, I can pick at it and my brain can think about it and everything. And it's really cool. But it's not, it's not one that, you know... You know, I, I haven't looked at the, the Willie Nelson song as a source material type thing. You know, I've got something that I'm picking at that I may, you know, do, but, you know, and it's, it came from a song, but. Yeah. I actually get a lot of inspiration from music. I find music to be very inspiring. Um, I usually write to music. Mm -hmm. I mean, anybody who's read what might have been. If you don't get the whole inspired by music thing, I oh. I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> You're the reason I've got Josh Groban on my my song lists. <laughs> I fucking love Josh Groban. My husband mm -hmm. does not. Fucking Josh <laughs> Groban. <laughs> well, I can tell you right now that one of the things I'm listening to is um I don't even know how to put it's it's not it's not um Irish. I think it's actually uh French Celtic slash Irish slash possibly Italian slash I don't know what the fuck, but it's got bagpipes in it. <laughs> <laughs> but it's got bagpipes in it. <laughs> yeah. I fucking love bagpipes, I'll be perfectly honest. Yep. Yeah, the world needs more bagpipes. Uh-huh. And more kilts. Oh yeah. Totally needs more bagpipes and kilts. But you know, and and be wearing the kilts in the, the correct way. <laughs> well. And now we circle back to the old man balls. <laughs> Our conversation is complete. Excuse me. I don't want to see certain old men in them. But 
you can't make this you can't decide either you say more kilts or you can't just discriminate yes i can and say only hot men can wear kilts no because that's rude okay have you seen some of the old men in kilts i don't say i'm saying i want to see them i'm just saying that you can't tell them they can't wear them fine appropriately Yes. By the way, this is this group is actually what I'm writing to nowadays. Don't All the kilts. Actually, there's not a kilt. And let's be honest. There. Let's be real honest. No matter the age, testicles aren't cute. No. <laughs> That's a whole lot of no. <laughs> That's a whole lot of no in a sack. <laughs> They look like a, they look like a lumpy turkey neck. <laughs> uh, I love all my male listeners. I love all y'all. I promise. It's 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 not your fault. Your balls are less than attractive. <laughs> it's not your fault. Well, the dick makes up nice. for it. The the it dick often nice does. Clean. Well, okay, come on. It helps if they're nice and clean and well tended. If if they look like they've got. Yeah, manscaping the thing. Yes. <laughs> if you can't Don't leave a jungle on your pants. <laughs> it's two balls in a sack. As uh, Susan comments, the Scotman, the Scotsman is a song best to sing at the top of your lungs around a bonfire. Also well lubed with whiskey. I mean, honestly, you should probably just be drunk to sing the Scots. I think drunk singing is better than regular singing. (laughs) Everybody has a better time when you're drinking, when you're singing. This is true. (laughs) Except for the poor (laughs) bastards who are allergic to uh, alcohol. And then, mm. oh, bless their hearts. Yes. Bless your pee picking heart. Okay. Um, But no, I mean, just, you know, think about your consequences and don't write throwaway lines that you think mean nothing. <laughs> I mean, not that you'll know. You know, you won't know until some reader asks you and continues to ask you for what? How long has it been? Ten years. At least. No, I mean, you waited ten years for that answer and you ended up giving it to me. How you make it, how's that make you feel? <laughs> okay, great. Cool. <laughs> What do you do with a drunken sailor? You take him home and tuck him in his bed and give him a glass of water and something for his head in the morning. That's what you do with a drunken sailor. Actually. And you don't mess with his clothes. You just you just put him in the bed. Actually. Or her. Speaking, speaking as one sailor who's been drunk before, take him to the next bar. <laughs> <laughs> don't listen to her. <laughs> the Navy ruined her. Duh. Put them in bed with all their clothes on. No. Give them a glass of water and no. an emotional support penguin and some no. Tylenol. <laughs> Dude, no. You have to get them up and down ladders and racks and, and gangplanks and fuck that. Take them to the next bar. It's easier. <laughs> you park them in a booth. Take them to the-, the ship and drop them off at the gangplank. It doesn't work that way. If they crawl up it, they're in trouble. All right. If you if you're nice and you just drop them at the bar, they'll get picked up and taken home eventually. 
Boo, you are not well, sticking that far boo, with the captain's rude. daughter. Because, honestly, there were no captain's daughters on my ship. There were a whole bunch of drunks, though. Oh, it's part of the song? I've never actually heard the song. Take them to the next bar. What is wrong with you? Do you really want the defin- the, the, the total number of things no. that are wrong with me? Okay. No. No. Good idea. No. <clears throat> I imagine it was real hard to get a date. <laughs> Given that my captain had no children that I knew of, um, if he'd had a kid, that child would have been the most looked after kid ever. And nothing would have touched that child while uh, my ship was in port. Because there were a thousand of us. And we were all pretty cool with, with the captain. Still single, 20 years later. Well, you know, I'm just saying. <laughs> I love my husband, but I wouldn't have another one. I'll agree to that. One and done. Yeah, I'm not interested in going for another one. They're a little, they're, they're, they're a little, they're a little bit of work, y'all. Just a little bit. Mm-hmm. A little bit. <laughs> Good job, boo. Congratulations on your strategic planning. Well, I think I think we've managed this topic. I think we have too. Um, admit a thousand times, but that's just what you would come to expect from a podcast. Um, (laughs) but you know, I think that what um the takeaway is is that we probably could very easily create a mythology that we could pass around and use as a little black dress concept for the werewolves or shifters. You know, and, and, you know, actually sit there and, and hash it out, not just the idea of, you know, how it is and, and what, what some of the, the, the good, the goods and the bads, but, you know, um, do we want an origin point to them, you know, and, and what would it be? Um, do we want to base it off of, you know, the, your Theron concept or do we want to do it off of, you know, the traditional or semi-traditional um, werewolf concept that we have in the West or do we want to just go further afield? Because, you know, there's not just the stuff that we get from Europe. There's other wear concepts across the globe, too. Yeah. And you may want to do it where, I mean, you, I think there's werewolves in, in or the, the equivalent thereof in Japan, right? I think it's a pretty common mythology across the world in, in one fashion or another. Um, some kind of shifter creature, uh-huh. whether it be a wolf or um, <laughs> tree people, um, bears. Dragons. No, I'm saying Kitsune. That's the nine-tailed fox, right? Yes. So, I mean, you know, it's a concept you could... You could pull from a, lots of different places. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Yeah, so... There's, there's a ton of different... There's a ton of different things you can use in the shifter verse as a whole... And if you want to drill down, we can go strictly to the werewolf. But I do think that when you're designing such a plate thing, you do want to be 
um, discerning in your animal choices. Mm-hmm. And you don't well, want to go buck wild unless you just want to have zero control whatsoever about your world building um and you'll end up aware cockroaches i mean it, it that, that's just a consequence if every you put no limit on, on it planet. there is no limit well, yeah but if you have every creature on the or every human on the planet has the ability to turn into aware um based off of based off of you know whatever let's say their personality because actually I, this is this is what happens when you write something. I mean, and you boo. Don't look at it. Fair, fair. True. Um, I Wear realize. Llamas. Yeah, Season. I realized that um, in the the Avengers one, I have Tony being a werewolf, but there's other different types of were animals in there. There. Because it's not based off of genetics that everybody's a werewolf. It's based off of your personality. Because Tony comments in that set of stories that he knows of one uh, of a guy who looks like he's this big, buff, burly, aggressive guy whose form is basically a were-rabbit. <laughs> yeah. A were-bunny. He's a were-bunny. Um, the thing is, is I, I mean, you, you do have an option of writing a very limited small population, mm-hmm. basically, like, if, like even less than 1% of the population mm-hmm. of Earth is a shifter, or you write an entire shifter world, or everybody's a shifter. Um, but then what are your mm-hmm. limits? And I mean, and also, do you want to have to explain the ability of a human being to turn into a cold blooded reptile? Mm-hmm. Personally. Mm-mm. Um, and what purpose would a were dolphin have? I, I mean, was... unless you live in in Hawaii, Steve, um, I don't know what the purpose of a were dolphin would be. You know, I, I don't know. Well, Although that being said, I love the fuck out of Joe Dawson's stories where Megalodon. <laughs> That's what I was thinking. Where where Danny is a megalodon. I fucking yes. love it. Yes. I also like the one where he's an aggressive merman. I dig that one too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he, he well, he's a were shark in that one, but it's not um this it's not a megalodon. But he's he's got issues. And most of them are about the fact that he's in this fucking pineapple infested hellhole. <laughs> He keeps calling the damn thing. Yeah, water based shifts. Like, I mean, I would never, I mean, I did actually write one of Harry's kids and Dr. Lowell turning into a sea lion, but that was mm-hmm. a kind of a joke, you know, like a Gryffindor yeah. joke. Um, or serves no purpose. If that wasn't like a natural inherited trait, there would be no reason whatsoever for a wizard to pursue that in a mage's form. Right. Well, what is it? Um, we have um, Samick just commented about mermaids. Um, mother, pass bucket. It's a old Tom Hanks, Daryl Hannah one where she's a mermaid. Do you remember it? Splash. Splash. Her name. She names herself after a street. She calls herself Madison after Madison. Right. Uh huh. Yeah. 
Yeah, and, and he goes back with her. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But that's one where, you know, you look at it and in some ways you could say that her becoming human was her wear shift. The, the mermaid was the natural. Yeah, I mean, you could say that. Yeah, you could say that. I don't... Um, <laughs> mermaids to be creepy. My husband loves mermaids. He watches the hell out of anything mermaid. Even those like those little teeny bopper shows you see from Disney. He's all up in it. He loves himself some mermaids. Have you bought him Splash? You think that man doesn't already own it on Blu-ray? <laughs> Damn it. I was thinking maybe I could get you a gift idea. <laughs> Sorry. Nah, dog. Damn it. He fucking, I mean, his 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 favorite DC character is Aquaman. He just, he just fucking loves that shit. And I'm like, okay. Um, I actually know of a series. I can't of guarantee that, that no he's done that. No, I mean he's fifty years old. I I have no control over what he does or what he's seen. He was a fully realized adult when I met him. He could have already been exposed to that. Yeah, there's no no, there's no telling. There's <laughs> just no telling what he's been exposed to. He does have a very large collection of anime. Oh, like, but I don't my watch that shit. I don't mean shit in a derogatory way. I just don't watch that stuff. I, I mean shit like stuff, mm-hmm. you know. The collective stuff on, under one term. Yes. Yeah. Well, hell, I mean, I don't... The husband's watching... Watch that shit either. <laughs> He's watching Magnum P.I. I'm pretty sure... Well, I'm... Racking my brains. I don't remember any mermaid stuff in Magnum P.I., so I might be safe. No, no. I mean... You never know what somebody's gonna like. It's just it's just this weird little thing he likes. He likes mermaids. But I don't I don't like them. Um outside of Little Mermaid, you know, the the movie, the the Disney uh-huh. movie, I'm just not on board with it. I mean just, you know. Guess what? I hate that movie. Actually, I hate the soundtrack. Let me be real. I fucking love the soundtrack. I used to be able to see to, to sing all of it, including the one in French. Um Yeah, you know the the when that movie came out, my band director got hold of the music and we had to march <laughs> to that goddamn thing and he wanted us to dance to it. And we have a I whole bunch see. of kids. Yes, whole bunch of kids from the extremely early 90s with four left feet among, you know, with all of us and we can't dance. And he wants us <laughs> to do it. And by the way, I think by the time we made it up to the marching band competition and we're getting ready to, to you know, we're, we're staging so that we, we can march onto the field. I had heard under the sea probably a good half dozen times before we marched onto the field. From other bands. Yes. That sucks. You betcha. So, No. And I owned that soundtrack and I listened to it and I probably could sing it from scratch myself. No. <laughs> I like the movie, but I have to say that Belle's my princess too. Um, I prefer mm-hmm. Belle out of all the princesses. Um, Let's see. What have I watched recently? But I think we're pretty much done with this. I think so. Um, 
we'll we'll come back to these concepts after we've kind of you know these are just discussion podcasts and we'll come back to them and figure out um some world building and make little little world building posts maybe on rough trades forum so that we can explore them and maybe you know try some of them out maybe in like little challenge responses or something and just just to you know play with it just to play with ideas i think that um overall uh the point is to keep the mind working and to make sure inspiration finds you working. Got to be creative. Open up your mind oh, yeah. to different concepts and explore them. That's, you know, that's the point of being in a challenge environment. Um, and that's the point of rough trade. Anyways, I hope you guys have a fantastic weekend and um, you get plenty of writing done. And um, we shall catch you later. Say good night, Lady Holder. Good night.